Okay, this is our weekly Bible study. Uh, this is uh, December 24th, 2006. We're right on the verge of Xmas Eve. We were just talking a little bit about all the the wickedness that we've been seeing um, this Christmas season. Uh, really, this wickedness seems to be escalating and elevating to a, a fever pitch. There's things that are going on uh, during this Christmas that none of us have really witnessed in, in just the form of general wickedness. I'm not going to get into any particular gore details, but I believe it's truly the essence of what this holiday is, which, if you boil it back to where it started, is Saturnalia. And um, the birth of Tammuz, or Ra, the sun god, or Mithra. And uh, this is where, why I believe the true colors of Christmas are really, really starting to show. Uh, because Satan's never going to be neutral on anything. He's always going to push the envelope on any holiday uh, that's his. And these, for them, are holidays. These are their holy days. That, that's where we even derive the word from. But they're, they're unholy. These are unholy days. And um, this is going absolutely against what the New Testament says, um, where, where even Paul admonishes, I believe in Galatians, where he, he admonishes them about observing days and times and years. And then he was afraid that he had bestowed all this labor on them in vain because they wanted to go back to the traditions of men and these things. So, you know, I have... You know, this this is the one time of year where I hardly have any agreement, probably with anybody on my email list, if the truth be known. And I'm talking pastors and non-pastors. I mean, I get all these things from all these, you know, ministries that sometimes can be halfway discerned. Now, David Bay, I'm not going to include. David Bay has a, no, has a knowledge of this, and he doesn't promote it. But um, uh, I get all these emails from some ministries that... that Usually throughout the year do good things, and then, you know, it just all goes out the door. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. You know, Mary, all this stuff, and, and it's enough to sicken me. You just, you look at it, and it keeps coming. And I know I put some emails out lately that really, uh, I didn't do the research. I just put it together. I just really compiled it. But it just totally debunks the whole thing, and, and yet Christians will just go right on and ignore it. Now, the world... You know, you could talk to somebody in the world, and, they're, and, and they're, your typical response is you can tell them this. Like my mom, or, or like the woman, um, uh, one of the ladies that I work with, Wendy. Uh, and they're like, well, I don't care, I'm going to go ahead and celebrate anyway. Um, that's fine, but for a Christian, they need to have scriptural scripture to do that. And it's it's one after another after another of, of these, of these uh, uh, people that will not stop celebrating this holiday. They just won't do it. Uh, I had this one guy email me uh, two days ago. Now, this is one of the cream of the cream of the crop that I met when I was on tour. Okay, when I did that tour. And um, I've gotten several emails from him, some really cutting-edge stuff. I think he's an older gentleman. But he said he said um, something to the effect, Scott, would you... Uh, what does this hand sign mean? This is my this is my church, and see these are some of the girls at my church. Now, number one, he should he, he should know better than not to be going to this ungodly church, it's some big mega church, which I couldn't believe, knowing the emails that had come from this man, and he's these tell me this is his church, some some community church. It was a big big church, and they were having their and they had on their website, you, and you went in the website. He says, "What are these girls doing in this picture?" And it was three teenage girls in this picture, and they were they were all like. Uh, like this, like this. They were in this picture, like this, like they were, you know, 
big shots or whatever. And I said, uh, he says, what does this mean? Well, that's the sign. Um, there's three versions of the Cornudo sign. And the Cornudo sign is the horn sign of the beast. One's like this, one's this, and one's this. Now this, they say, oh no, that means I love you. That's Helen. But the one that devised sign language was Helen Keller. She was a theosophist and a high-level occultist. So, how could you trust somebody that was a was basically a Satan worshiper to make up a hand sign signal? I mean, come on, give me a break. Well, that's where we get our hand signs from, the Helen Keller. So, you know, I quickly debunked that. But just the fact that this man went to church here in this ungodly church, and and um, there and he's showing me the, the Christmas thing. He's not asking me if Christmas is wrong. He's already got my email on that. I'm thinking, man, alive. Then I get an email this morning from um, uh, Pastor Slats. He has a uh, a group where they, it's like an online group, and it's it's for bartering between Christians. That's what it's supposed to be. Well, this one person has been posting on this thing, and whoever it is, I believe it's a, a female, and she's a nudist. She's a nudist. And she keeps posting these links on there saying, nudism is of God. In fact, I'll read you what... This is the, the, the last one she, she sent. Baby Annie is her, her handle. This site is for true, legitimate, family-oriented nudists and naturists. Family-oriented. <laughs> yeah, you bring your kids there. They're, everybody's buck naked. They're looking on... They're looking on full-grown, naked adults. That's, that, now that's godly. That is really seriously godly there. I mean, how, you don't have to have the discernment of a dung beetle to know this is wrong. I'm sorry. I mean, this is unbelievable. Well, then it says, it says, this is a singles matchmaking dating, dating personals listing site, and the only place on the web that's a fun, exciting, safe place for the single nudist and natural men and women to meet. I finally, this is like the third one of these, I don't know if anybody's responded, I finally had to respond to this stupid thing. I wrote to her, I said, it is unbelievable that you would even post this. I mean, this is, you know, this isn't even a topic for me that's worthy of debate as a Christian. I mean, are we, are we getting this bad where we're now debating if nudism, you know, they got the Christian nudist camps. Christian nudism. That's like Christian pornography. They got that too. So it says, I just said to her, I said, scripturally, you have no defense. None. Because it doesn't matter what your stinking opinion is. All that matters is what the Word of God says. Romans 13, 12 through 14 says, The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Now, in the Bible, you always notice that when it talks about covering, or, or things of this nature, or about clothing, it's always putting on. It's always putting on. It doesn't ever say, God stripped down. And I'm going to go over some of these verses. Or strip down, you know, I mean, other than maybe um, if you're going to humble yourself before God, putting on sackcloth and ash, but even then you're putting on sackcloth and ash. You know, it's always about putting on. It says, let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding or drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness. Well, that's what we're getting right now during Christmas. Riding and drunkenness, chambering and wantonness. It's the exact same thing that's going on. Not in strife and envying. But put ye on, again, we're putting on something, the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Well, I guess going to a nudist camp wouldn't be making provision for the flesh. 
No. You wouldn't be setting any wicked thing before your eyes there. No, you wouldn't be lusting after anything potentially. No, that would never happen in a nudist camp. Matthew 5.27, Ye have heard, and it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, so now in this, in this essence, just looking on a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your own heart. Well, how could you not do that at a nudist camp? I'm just, I'm just asking qualified, basic questions. You know, I think it'd be pretty impossible. You know, and, and women too, yeah. Um, neither shall thou go, and then this is Exodus 20, 26. Well, God doesn't care. Oh, he doesn't? Well, why, why was it then when Adam and Eve had sinned that God made them coats and covered them? Huh. I wonder why he did that. The Bible says here, it says, Neither shall thou go up unto the steps of mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. It was pretty important to God that even when they were making an altar, that they didn't even want to be going up an altar that their nakedness wasn't discovered. Pretty important to God, evidently. He, he takes time out of the Word of God to put this. Exodus 28.42 And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness. From the loins even under the thighs shall they reach. Okay? 1 Timothy 2.9 and 10 In like manner also the women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Well, I would say nudism would really not fall under the category of modest apparel. Modest nudism. Maybe they'll have that next. Modest Christian nudism. You know, conservative nudism. You can't have it both ways. Okay? Um, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Well, the women that don't do this are not professing godliness, they're professing ungodliness. How much more ungodly could you be? You're, and not only that, to, to, the, the thing that would get me would be to take your kids into that environment. That's, I mean, that's really... It's, it's, I couldn't imagine going to one of those places anyway. Oh, there ain't no way, but... Taking my little girl? I can't imagine what these people have to be almost demon-possessed to, to, to go to that level. I mean, I, I'm not wanting to say this in a sanctimonious way, like, I am holier than you. And, but I know I what, I mean, my parents, who are totally in the world, would never, never do this. You know, people that are in the world have more sense than, the, than a lot of these uh, so-called Christians. The Bible talks about that, too. Um, Psalm 93, 1. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord's not up there, you know, naked. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Isaiah 59, 17. For he has put on, put on righteousness as a breastplate and an helmet of salvation on his head. He has put on the garments of vengeance for clothing. God is covered. Aren't we supposed to follow God? I mean, that's a no-brainer. You know, I mean, this is, to be honest with you, it's, this, is, this is ridiculous that, that I would even have to bring this up, but the thing is, I got this today, and I figured it was worth, you know, touching on. Um, and then I wrote, I, I, I posted an article here by a guy named Bill Mosley that was a very good article on um, just nudism. And... Um, you know, really a lot of these same verses, but he expounds on the verses a little bit more. I'm not going to get into this anymore today. I mean, we know, we, we know here in this room. Anybody um, listening to this, if they want me to forward this, uh, this email to them, just email me at Dr. Johnson, D-R-J-O-H-N-S-O-N, at the letter I, the letter X, dot netcom, N-E-T-C-O-M, dot com. 
and I'll, I'll email you that article. Just let me know what you want. I've got I've got an article on just about everything. And what I'm doing now is I've got such a library in my email list that I can actually go into my I have a file for Christian emails, and I can go in there, and you can actually do keyword searches in the email in Outlook Express. So if I want to know about like that's what I did. I put in nudism, and I had all these emails come up. I already I already addressed this issue. Okay, so let's go to the second thing. Um, did you know we've got automatic tithing machines in the churches now? ATMs, that's what they're calling them. Automatic tithing machines. But they're ATMs in the church. It's official, everyone. And I want one here. I want, I want to freeze the flock. That's what I want to do. I mean, I wish they'd just come out and say it. Why do they just come out and say it? They just want to freeze the flock. Mar Martinez, Georgia. This was an Associated Press. Georgia prisoners can now pay with plastic. Well, bless God. At the Stevens Creek Community Church, God takes credit cards. You know, I wish they'd quit saying God, because God's not within 20 miles of that stinking place. I, I don't believe He is. I just, I, I don't believe... Number one, it's 501c3 Corporation. I guarantee you they're not reading the right Bible. And now they're taking plastic. Well, that's good. I mean, the Bible does say the borrower is slave to the lender, and if you're using a credit card in particular, I mean, a debit card is one thing, because it would be coming out of your... But still... Most of them aren't. I guarantee you most of them are using credit cards. And you're borrowing. I just don't think that's of God. I just don't think it is. I mean, the Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender. Yeah, he likes a cheerful giver, too. Yeah. Um, it, God, it says God takes credit cards, debit cards, too. Giving two, quote, they're called giving kiosks. Oh, isn't that nice? I hope they have maybe a little Starbucks stand next to them, too. You know, maybe where they serve coffee and get you really fired up. Two giving kiosks just sit outside the church's chapel. Next generation collection plates that allow churchgoers to swipe their cards or debit cards and instantly send donations to the church. Did I read that right? They're going to have collection plates that allow the church givers? Could you imagine that? The collection plates coming around and you swipe your card? <laughs> yeah! We need a few of those. They'll get on it. we got to get on this. We're behind the times. I don't got a globe yet. I don't got my ATM kiosk. I don't have my Starbucks coffee machine back here. I don't have my puppet show. I don't have my Christian rock band. I don't have my 501c3 corporation yet. I don't have my big edifice with my big steeple. Like a big old pagan thing hanging out there in the breeze. I don't got any of that. Well, I got coffee. That's true. Praise the Lord. I, I, I need to therewith be content, I guess. I need to shut up. I, this is crazy. I mean, this is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't got no, no sign or anything, no signage. Um, <laughs> this is, I, can't, I couldn't believe this when I read it. Um, uh, so you can, uh, you instantly send your donations. Pastor Marty Baker, I, I'd like to really shake old Pastor Marty's hand. I really would. Um, I'd like to really shake it hard. I'd like to really get... <laughs> Pastor Marty Baker likes to call the black terminals ATM's automatic tithing machines. That's what he's dubbed them as. <laughs> oh, man. We're just trying to connect with the culture, Baker said. And that's how the culture does business. Business. That's what the church is. It's a business. He said it right. That's what they are. They're 501c3 corporations. Oh, we're not for profit. Oh, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't tell me you're not for profit. 
Give me a break. You're set up to be a profit-making machine, is what you are. It's more than just the... It's, it's more than just an ATM for Jesus. It's about erasing barriers. That's what he said. That was his quote, an ATM for Jesus. Oh. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, that put darkness for light and light for darkness. And if this guy's not doing that, I don't know who is. Oh. Baker came up with the idea three years ago when his East Georgia church, church was preparing for a fundraising drive. Well, good. I'm so glad he thought of that idea. I wonder who inspired him to that idea. I'm sure he'll, he'll give Jesus that, the uh, credit, but it's not Jesus that inspired him to do this. He realized that, like many of his 1,100 member congregation, oh, well, that tells me a lot right there, 1,100 members. I'm sure he's preaching hard. I'm sure he's really getting down to it. You know, he's doing the non-501c3, King James only, hardline, fundamental stance. I'm sure he's really into that. He rarely carried cash, so he's setting a good example right off the bat. You know, he, he probably does everything in plastic. He hired developers to find a way to fleece his flock with plastic. <laughs> no, I said it. I gotta say so. It, it said he, he hired a way for his flock to pay with plastic, but it should say fleece his flock with plastic. <laughs> Eventually, they cobbled together a prototype that he set up in his church early 2005. Since then, the evangelical church has seen an 18% bump in donations. Doug, I need that 18% bump. If I had a kiosk back here, we'd get a better, we'd get a better offering. <laughs> and an average gift of more than $100 each time the card is swiped. Well, it's a proven fact. If people have credit cards and, and there's, there's money on the credit card to be used, even though it's borrowed money, that you got to pay back with interest, people are going to use that. It's a proven fact. So he knows what he's a good businessman. The results encouraged Baker and his wife Patty to form a, a for-profit company. Well, wow, now we're really getting honest. Called Secure Give, which sells the terminals for two to five grand a piece and charges a $50 monthly subscription fee. So he's making out like a bandit, this man. By the end of the year, they expect to have terminals in 15 spots across the country. The kiosks are fairly simple to use. After typing in a phone number and a PIN number, users swipe a debit or credit card. The terminals allow the user, users to give specific funds, such as for a building drive or a mission. Afterward, they spit out a receipt. At Stevens Creek, where services began... Well, listen to this. We, we know this is a hardline uh, church here. At Stevens Creek, where services began with flashy light shows and an in-house Christian band jam... <laughs> So they start out, I mean, you know, like I said, they're, they're, they're already right straight right down the line. They have their, their band jams, they, they bang out salvation songs, yeah. And Embrace Our Technology has helped to foster a sense that this congregation really is cutting edge, Lisa. We're real. We're in today, said church volunteer Dora Adams. We're here where society is at. Uh, we're getting the band back together. You know, we're, I mean, what are you going to do next? Drop acid? Why, why don't you have drugs in, in the church? Why don't you have booze? Why don't you have a, a full liquor bar there in the church? You know? And you know what they'll say when they get it? Because I guarantee you those days are coming. They'll say, we're delivered to do this. Just like they did in Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah 11, and Jeremiah 14. The people got so bad, they said, 
We're so holy that we're delivered to do this abomination. They said the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where the man had taken his father's wife to wed. He said that you, you should rather be shameless, but now you glory in your shame. And they're doing the same thing. That's where we're going. I mean, it's just, to me, it's unbelievable to look back at this and see the whole church, this whole apostate church, sinking into this so blind, so not wanting to, to, to break free at all. They just, they're content. They want to be here. They're going to hell. These people are going to hell. I don't believe there are any of them are saved. I don't. I don't see how you could be saved, have the Holy Spirit live inside you, and, and things not be happening, because the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, you're bastards. So, if you are a bastard, you're an illegitimate son. You're not one of his kids. And if you are one of his kids, he's going to chasten you when you do this kind of junk. He will do it. He has to. He is God. And if there's no chastening on you, like, I don't think there is here. I don't see these people in really repentant mode or anything. Well, how could they be saved? Where's the fruit of the Spirit here? I mean, <sighs> unbelievable. Baker compares his technology to the days of the Old Testament. When people stopped offering sacrifice and started offering coins, it's the same now with bringing plastic, he said. <laughs> Do you see how this devil justifies it? Well, the Bible says that it's no wonder if, if Satan, uh, Satan appears as a minister of light, and it's no wonder also that his ministers be transformed in, into ministers of light. So this is what this man is. He's just, a, he's just an angel of light. He's just a devil, demonic angel of light uh, pastor is all he is. It's an evolution, and this will take root. And to placate churches concerned that parishioners will donate money they do not have, the church offers to build machines that only accept debit cards. Well, that's special. At the Bel Air Presbyterian Church in Los Angeles, it was the price that was galling. Now, number one, the Bible says, Jesus says, when you give, not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Now, number one, the motivation for most people giving in most of these churches is so they can write it off on their taxes and feel like, Good at the same time. Well, you know, I'm doing double duty. Not only get a tax break, but I'm placating God. And it's been it's been seen before all men because you get that thing back at the end of the year. They know exactly how much you gave. Now, where's God in any of that? You know what Jesus said? He says, well, verily you have your reward. You've already got your reward. You've already done it, seen it above men. Verily you've got it. You got it the moment that you put it in the plate and that money was gone and it's worthless it's worthless. It's, it's not going to do you any good. It's not like you're going to get to the judgment seat of Christ and be rewarded for that money because you did it before men to be seen of all men. Or to write it off on your taxes. Even if that wasn't your motivation. Still, to write it off on your taxes? Well, how is that given to God? It's wrong. Um, <clears throat> so, let's see here. At, Bel at the Bel Air Presbyterian Church in Los Angeles, it was the price that was galling. Well, yeah, I mean, for three to f two to five grand for one of these things, they were a little mad about it. Um, the church considered buying the kiosks before turning, before deciding to build a homemade version for a few hundred dollars. How do you make a homemade one of these? <laughs> you do it yourself, kit? Do it yourself? You know, automatic tithing kit? Um, yeah. <laughs> it says, the church's information service manager, uh, it's still a theory whether we could do it or not, but other churches have, so we know it's possible. In some ways, the rise of kiosks is a natural extension of the online donations that many church websites now accept. Well, that is true, but that doesn't make it any more really right. Phil Martin of the National Association of Church Business Administration said he expects 
even some of the most resistant churches to eventually offer some of credit-based solutions. You know, I don't know, I don't take any credit cards or anything in my practice. What I do, I don't. I don't know if I ever told you that. I got a conviction a long time ago that there is no way I'm going to set up an eight, uh, a a terminal. I don't even take it in my business, and 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 they're doing it as a church and they're taking it. I mean, it's unbelievable. Now, I'm not saying I'm the gold standard either, but it's just as though I, you know, I tried to do it one time, and this was a long time ago, and God hammered me. He wouldn't let me do it. I tried. I was a nightmare. Everything, I did like two or three transactions, I tried, and they're all nightmares. And I'm like, dude, I don't, God, you win. I, I know you're trying to tell me this is something you do not want me to do. And, and I, I stopped. I haven't done it since. And, you know, for a business, that's pretty tough. You try to run a business that way when everybody's used to playing with plastic, I tell them right up front now, here's here's my terms. Here's here's how I do business. If it's not agreeable to you, then you're going to need to move on to another doctor. I'm not your doctor, period. I don't want a patient that's not going to be compliant. Or if they're going to say, well, you don't take... Well, fine. Here, I'll refer you to somebody. I don't mean not to be mean, but it's just a conviction I have, and I'm not going to... Um, I've done that for years. Um, so, then we go further. Uh, whether we can have an offering plate with a card reader one day, who knows, Martin said. This is this good pastor. But we're cer- certainly not far from that. No, you know what it's going to be? They're going to they're gonna pass the offering, you're just going to swipe your hand right over it with that chip, that mark of the beast, and they're going to still think they're going to heaven. That's how bad it's going to get. That's how deceived they're going to be. Or maybe, you know what they need to have? An automatic... Uh, tithing, uh, a tither uh, with the offering plate, but have a, a built-in eye scanner in it. You, you put you put your face in the plate, and it scans your eyes, <laughs> and it debits your credit card right there. That way, you could you know you're not going to be able to uh, uh, forge somebody's eyeball. So they just have that, or either that or a fingerprint scanner. I think that would be nice. But maybe a combo fingerprint eye scanner that debits your credit card. Why not? Let's sky's the limit here. We need to really get creative here. We've been in a slump too long here, us four. So, <laughs> I can't help but be sarcastic on this. It says, uh, the real market may be being non-profit groups. Baker says, as he talks with New Orleans boosters to set up kiosks around so visitors and residents can donate to the rebuilding fund. Yeah, they always got some fun going. And the company just reached a deal with the Oregon Ballet Theater, which will debut two kiosks during the Nutcracker performances. Yeah. Um, we see the kiosks as a low-pressure, convenient way for our patrons to no- donate to the Oregon Ballet Theater while they're actually at the performance, still in the glow of what they've witnessed on stage. So you see what they're doing here? It's just like church. Can you imagine now? You got Now, I know I've been there. I've done it. I'm guilty. You go to a church, especially these Pentecostal ones, and you got some guy up there bawling his eyes out or going like a wild man, speaking in tongues or... I don't know what he's doing, barking like a dog, and, 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 and he's up there, and he's impressing everybody, and, and that, that, all that deception's coming on you, and you're like, oh man, I want to give, you know, and, because uh, a lot of you guys don't know what this feels like, but you go to charismatic stuff, this happens, and can you imagine the heat of the moment, you've got this, now, before you didn't have the option doing a credit card, you only had what was maybe cash or whatever, or maybe what was in your banking account to write a check, but now you've got the credit card, oh, I'm going to do it. I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Oh, I hear him. I hear him up there too. He's telling me to get, he wants three people that are going to, no, he wants ten, 
Ten people, they're going to get $10,000 in the next ten minutes, and they're going to get a triple blessing from God. They're going to get a double portion like Ezekiel got. That's what they do. I've been to these things. So, can you imagine how they're going to manipulate this? Oh, man, I see the devil all over this thing. Um, at Stevens Creek, proceeds from the machines only account for one-fifth of the church's donations. During a recent Wednesday night baptism ceremony, volunteer ushers proudly sprang to their attention when called to collect offerings, ready to pass the bucket. Even so, the modern-day donation plate at the church atrium usually grabs most of the attention. Um, <clears throat> Amy Forrest, this says it all right here, Amy Forrest, 31-year-old who drives an hour from her South Carolina town on Sundays to attend services, said she knew that the church was the right fit for her. It's always about what's right for me. It's always about me, me, me. You know what? The church you should go to should make you feel uncomfortable. During, I mean, not, I'm not talking about the whole service, but I'm saying there should be some things in there when you hear the Word of God or when you hear something. You should be getting enlightened about certain things. You should be uh, gaining godly knowledge so that you're not destroyed for lack of knowledge. You should be being fed in the Word, these types of things. Um, it's not something where it's a right fit for me. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Well, sure, if we just all do that, but that's what everybody does in America. Well, it's right for me. I like this church. I like this pastor. He was so positive, And it was, his messages are so inspiring and all this other junk. And they're, and they're going to hell. They're going to hell in a church. But see, she, she said, um, it was a right fit for her the first time she saw the kiosks. That's why she went to the church. Because she saw the kiosks. Now that is a good criteria to pick a church. Well, this one's got kiosks and that one don't. Well, I mean, bless God. I mean, I, I, how much more godly could you get than that? And then she says, this, this church gets how I live. <laughs> I'm sure she is so humble. I can, I can just feel the humility flowing through her. I really can. I'm sure she's got a meek and quiet and humble spirit. She's probably a woman preacher. An added bonus, they make it much easier to chip her in to her for her forty-week, forty-dollar-week donation. Uh, I'd actually, it would actually be more. She's going to take the chip probably when it comes up. Chip in for her forty-week dollar donation. If you give cash, you think about it, and if you swipe a card, you don't. It makes it easier to type that four zero. She said. <laughs> Did you get that? That's what I just said. That's where it's all going. It's it's easier, no matter to type that 4-0 than give that $40 in cash. It's different. Hurts. Hurts. Man. And, <laughs> and, and then she says, and it makes it easier to break down to the Lord? What does that mean? Anyway, that was... There's a... Ugh. Here's another one. This one's entitled, Kill, Repent, Repeat, Happy Holidays. I got some nice, lighthearted stuff today to go over. I mean, really lighthearted. Um, this, what better way to celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace than with a computer game that allows you to slaughter non-believers, convert them, or abandon them to the coal pits of hell? Sorry, sounded like a little TV ad there. Sure. So, we've got 
and then and then continue with this article, it says, and don't worry about slaying those heathens. You can atone for your virtual sins by clicking on the prayer icon. <laughs> Thereby boosting your, quote, spiritual points. This is a game they got right now. Uh, sure sounds like fun to me. Available at Walmart stores near you. Left Behind, Eternal Forces, coming from Tim LaHaye of the Left Behind series. This is his great game. Now, you know, this is where it always ends up. You got some apostate that writes a book and um, leaves all kind of scriptural things out, adds all kind of extra biblical things in that are not biblical. And now it finally comes down to his newest video game. Um, it's called Left Behind Eternal Forces. Is the controversial new video game based on the best-selling apocalyptic conservative Christian novels. In the game, you can be you can be the boring forces of good, which is how all the people that are Satanists view people that are Christians, they're all boring. If they do make, when they make it to heaven, they're just going to be up there strumming some harp. You know, I don't want that, man. I want to go to hell where it's, you know, the whole sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing forever and ever, and it's not going to be like that. They're going to burn in hell forever and pay for these very sins that they think that they're going to be partying with down there. It's, yeah, it, 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 you know, it's all backwards, though. They, they, they're thinking one thing, they're believing a lie. Um, so you could be the boring forces of good, or you could be the fictional Antichrist, Nikolai Carpathia, dubbed People's Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. Yeah, yeah, People Magazine voted the, this, this uh, fictional Antichrist in his games, Nikolai Carpathia, as the sexiest man alive. No, uh, th this he's fictional. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and who, incidentally, uh, there probably is a fictional photo. And who, incidentally, is also the Secretary General of the United State, United Nations, and wears great suits. Liberal Christian groups are raising H-E-L-L uh, -L about this one, demanding that Walmart pull it from the shelves. Um, liberal Christian groups? I'm surprised the liberal would even care. Since non-Christians are either converted or killed. But Walmart refuses, supporting the right of families to virtually kill their foes when the world ends and the real fun begins. If you must kill, just click on the prayer icon, Jeffrey Fulmer, president of Left Behind Games, told me yet Wednesday. The icon? Yes, an image of two little clasped hands, Fitchner said. You click on it and pray and get your spiritual points back. This is just like the Catholic Church, where you can go, and especially during medieval times, and, and basically, you could, you could basically go to them ahead of time and say, listen, I'm going to rape this little girl. What do I got to do ahead of time? And it was. You could rape little, you could rape children. You could do whatever you wanted. As long as you had paid your indulgences, these were, see, you indulge. See, when you pay for these indulgences to the Catholic Church, because the Pope is considered the vicar of Christ, the vicar means substitute, well then you could go to the Catholic Church as the substitute for Christ and pay your indulgences, and the worse the sin, the more you got to pay it, that's going to cost you, and then you could go out and commit these heinous crimes and still have your conscience clear. Whatever. You, you know, if you have your conscience cleared to do something like that, then then you're demon possessed. You got to be. Um, so you click on this little prayer icon. Uh, then it says, "What do you say when you're praying?" When you click on the icon, nothing. He said, "You don't say anything. You don't say to your slaughtered enemy something like, sorry, my, my bad.' Uh, you don't say anything. You don't say um, you you don't say I'm praying for you now. <laughs> Thanks, but." What is the prayer? What is the prayer that the virtuous video gamers must say after they slaughter their enemies by the score? There's no prayer exactly, he said. No prayer? No, just click on the icon, Frickner said. 
It's just that easy. It's just this video game. As many of you know, I'm no theologian. I don't plan on reading Left Behind books since they're based on the book of Revelation, and it's scary. Whoever wrote this, I don't know. Some secular guy. But, I, I mean, but some secular guy's more sense. You know, at least he's got enough sense to see this, you know. But I have watched the movie The Omen. The Antichrist movie starring the late and gorgeous Lee Remick. I hope this is a... It's a guy writing this. Oh, John. He's calling this guy gorgeous. That's not a good sign. Oh, Lee Remick's a woman? Oh, I never heard of a woman named Lee. I was thinking of Lee Majors. Multi-million dollar man guy. You know, that was based on a true story. Just kidding. Just kidding. Anyway, um, Lee Remick, whose beauty must inspire impure thoughts in the minds of sinners. Not me. But other guys. The movie terrifies me, especially the maniacal Father Brennan. Um, so, anyway, he just goes on here, and I just wanted to kind of bring this up, because, again, this is how bad, this is how little discernment that we have in the churches now. That this could even be a point of debate or issue. That this would be allowed. Yeah, in, in these Left Behind series books, they basically come finally to the conclusion that um, you can take the mark of the beast and serve the Antichrist just as long, I believe, as that you really, your heart's not really there, though. You're just kind of placating them. But you know something? The Bible says that if you take that mark, you will burn in the pit of fire. You will burn in the lake of fire forever, period. That's it. That's it. You take that mark, then then you will burn in... There is no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no repenting after that. That is it. I mean, so, well, what's the alternative? Well, probably getting your head chopped off. What's better, to get your head chopped off or to burn in, in eternity for... Now, granted, you can't even get your head chopped under your own strength. You can try to think that and muster that up in your own head and you'll still fail. See, that's why you have to have the Holy Spirit living inside you to do that. You can't do it by yourself. It's not possible. You'll fail. So don't try to do it on your own. And you're, you're not going to get to have, Even if you were to possibly muster that up and say, I'm not going to take the mark of the beast, which is, there's going to be people that, that, aren't, that aren't Christians. That doesn't mean they're not going to go to hell. They're still going to go to hell. I mean, you still got to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and trust in His shed blood on the cross. I mean, that whole thing. Um, so don't think that's going to work either, um, just as long as you don't take the mark. Uh, it goes on and says that, um, for one thing, there's no real bloodshed in the game. How could there not be? And that, quote, good people have magical powers and glow when they're convicting, converting heathens from a distance. Or as they call it, quote, recruiting. And if you play... As the sexy antichrist, you just can't win. Oh, that makes the game all right now. As long as you can't win if you're the antichrist, you know. It's rigged. As the antichrist, you can win battles, says Frichter, but you can never win the war. That's the way it is. Oh, boy, boy, they're biblically correct. Boy, I'll, I'll, t I'll retract everything I've said about them now, because they, they put that one little caveat into the game there. Um, so anyway, that was... This is from the Chicago Tribune. This is an article in the Chicago Tribune. They got more. They got more discernment than the uh, than the church. Now I'm going to get into something that um, I've never got into before, and this is going to oh boy, this is going to really endear me to any uh, some of the Christians that might listen to this. And um, you know, I wouldn't be getting into this if if this did not confirm virtually all the research that I have done in the last 15 years 
I'm always trying to look at the big picture. What, 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 is, what is the big, big, big picture about what's going on today? How can we tie this into Scripture? What is, what is biblically going on? And I read this last night, and I'm not going to get in. It's, it's really a 29-page article here, but it's small print. And uh, I only highlighted certain parts of it. But what it is, is I have mentioned in previous times I've talked about the whole thing with the, uh, this whole thing that we're being bombarded with the aliens. The, all these these television shows and movies and and all these alien abductions and, and you know the, this poll that was taken in America and three percent of the people had, had had admitted that they've been abducted. Now don't tell me all those three percent are all nutcases. There's just no way. There's something going on. And it was kind of funny that none of this started until around 1950. There weren't these abductions like there are today. They were they were unheard of. What's taken place? What has actually happened? Well, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming Son of Man. Well, we know in the days of Lot, well, no, and Lot. It says Lot, too. We know in the days of Lot, the gays and, and obviously the homosexuals, and, okay, we see that all over. I mean, they got all the same-sex marriage stuff now, same-sex gay adoption, the whole nine yards. We've got your same-sex uh, uh, Rosie O'Donnells and Ellen Degenerate. Well, she really is degenerate. Her name does fit good. And, and all these all these people that are up there that are lesbians and, and Madonna's come out now and, and, and she's a lesbian and she's she's sitting there uh, French kitch- kissing Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera on stage at these music awards, you know they showed her right on TV. Um, I didn't. I think I saw it later on some kind of rerun. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, but it's getting that bad. So we know that the days of a lot have already. That's pretty much fulfilled. But then it says as it was in the days of Noah. Well, the greatest earmark of the days of Noah, and I really believe the reason that God had to go so far as to wipe out the whole world, this was the main reason. The sons of man saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they came down and they took the most wise, all that they had chose. And in those days walked giants, the men of old, the men of renown. Well, that was the greatest earmark of Noah's day. There was no other thing that was going on that was so heinous in God's eyes. Because, see, the angels, it says, in Jude, had left their first estate. And in, and in Jude, it says that they were, they were put in chains in hell. But if you translate that word, and I'm not telling you to go back to the Greek and Hebrew all the time, but that one word is translated different. That one word is translated Tartarus. The word for hell there is translated Tartarus. And it's the only time in the Bible it's ever used in the King James. What is that word? It's a special compartment of hell where these particular angels are chained to this day. It's not the regular hell. I don't know if it's worse. I probably should be. Um, But these were the angels that the Bible talks about in Jude that left their first estate. They came down, they saw the daughters of men, they took... Okay. From this, we have the byproduct of the Nephilim. These giants, these men of old, these men of renown, this is where we get much of our Greek mythology and our Roman mythology and all the Greek gods and Zeus and 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 probably uh, a, a lot of these, uh, like Hercules, and, and we talked about last week, Jason and the Argonauts. And it was always, 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 another reason I know it was of the devil, every one of these fables in these Greek mythology stories and all these things, always Atlantis, always are based in witchcraft. High, high, high level witchcraft. Well, who would be more proficient than witchcraft than a fallen angel? We're not going to be proficient at it. So, we've got a lot of things that are going on that the Bible clearly predicts are going to be. Well, this is the time we're living in. It says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall be in the days of coming. Well, shouldn't we maybe be on the lookout for this? Instead of letting it just railroad over us and, and, and not having an answer 
when this comes down the pike real hard, when they have the what they call official disclosure. You know what official disclosure is? That's when the government's going to come out and say, yes, we have been lying to you, but we've done it for your own good. We've been in cahoots with these, these uh, they're going to call them alien whatever beings, and we've been in cahoots with them for a long time, and we're going to finally come clean, we're gonna, we, but we didn't think you could handle it, and we're going to get into some of the reasons. That, one of the reasons they say that we, we can't handle it is because it would just fracture all the religions of the world or whatever. It ain't going to fracture my religion. But the, the average, typical pew-warming Christian it is, because they're not going to have a clue how to explain this out of their Bible. I can. I can explain that out of my Bible. But see, they can't do it. They, they don't have any comprehension. They, oh, oh, maybe it's all wrong. Well, you know, it's not all wrong. In fact, it absolutely, totally, 100% ver- it's verified in here. But this is never talked about. And let me ask you another question. How important might this be to talk about? I would love to do a tour on this. Now, not with a prophecy club, because I'm not going back there. Okay? But I would love to, I would do a tour on this in a heartbeat. I'd do a, I'd go all over the world and do a tour. I think this message I'm going to talk about today, but see, you're labeled as a total nutcase if you start talking about, oh, you're, oh, he's really went off the beef end this time. They didn't want to hear it. Well, whoso judgeth the matter before he hear that is a folly and a shame. The Bible says that. Well, that's what most Christians do. Oh, they don't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole. And the ones that do touch it are so far off base, because I know, because I've, I've, I've corresponded with them. I've ordered theirs. And some of them are good. They, they have some good material. But almost every one of them, none of them are hardcore. None of them, none of them are King James only. None of them are, are, are non-501c3. They don't have a comprehension of that whatsoever. They're, most of them are Pentecostals that are very, very sincere but very, very lukewarm at the same time. I mean, the one guy on the cutting forefront of this that's a Christian, he has uh, CE4 research, he goes around as a Christian to these alien conferences, dressed up, he paints his head silver, and he, tur- and he turns his glasses upside down so that he's got, um, actually, no, what he's doing now is I think he's putting on a silver ski mask. No, no, he's been putting on, he paints his head silver, he's done that too. And he puts on his glasses upside down so he looks like a gray alien. He's the, he's the cream of the crop on this. And I'm thinking to myself, and I've, I've emailed him. I've emailed him before. I'm like, his name's Guy. I'm like, Guy, man, dude, you, can't you see? You can't talk to them. These guys that, that have their own ministries, you can't tell them a thing. You can't, they know it all. They don't want to hear it. And most of them are off into the extreme Pentecostalism and, and or Messianic Judaism or whatever they're into. Something really super liberal that condones their sin. That's why they want it, because they want to still have their sin. See, God's revealed to them one little very important piece of the puzzle. Here's what, here's what I see the big picture problem is. I don't see one ministry on planet Earth right now that has a comprehension of the totality of everything. Which is what I try to cover what we do here. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't see one ministry on Earth that has a comprehension of what's going on. Not one. Well... Maybe it's because they're all 501c3 corporations. They're businesses, for-profit. I don't think that you can be a for-profit business. Was John the Baptist a for-profit business? Was Paul a for-profit business? I don't think any of the disciples were. And I'm not saying you have to carry to that extreme where, 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 where you walk around and have nothing, okay? Or whatever. God puts everybody in different positions. But I think that you have to make sure, if you have a ministry of any way, shape, or form, you have to have your foundation 
right. It has to be set right. I don't see these ministries doing this. I don't see them having a comprehension of the King James Bible. I don't see them having a comprehension of dress standards, of music standards, of so many things. And yet they could have this one little sliver that they own. And I think to myself, I look at these ministries and it's like, God, how could you have shown them this one thing so clearly? And maybe, maybe I was blessed out of it. And yet, they have no cook. You, you, you step outside of the sliver that God has given them, and it's like, ah, uh, I'm Mr. Total Non Discernment. I don't know nothing. I'm, I'm just not going to even, I'm going to ignore all this. They, they want to just ignore. I see it over and over and over and over again. I, I don't see. Uh, David Bay comes pretty close, but David Bay, I, I don't agree with his stance on the, on the King James Bible. I don't. And I think that is hugely important. Now, I'm not saying he's a rabid hater because he's got things on there to defend it, but he's, he, he can't have it both ways, is what I'm saying, with, with, with the Bible. It's the Word of God. Um, you know, Tex Mars, now, Tex Mars doesn't have any comprehension of the whole alien agenda, I don't think. And he's, he's totally getting, gotten to the point of just being totally anti-Semitic. Um, we got, as, as Christians, 1 Corinthians 2.11 lest Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Well, there's more devices in today's day and age that we can be ignorant of than any other time on the face of the planet ever. Since Noah back. Why? Well, the Bible says in Daniel 11.4, it says, Seal up the sum, thou Daniel. Um, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So he tells Daniel to seal up the sum until the end of time. Until, until the time of the end, which is the time we're living in. And it says, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall run, and knowledge shall increase. Now in Amos it says, many shall run to and fro, seeking the word of God, but they shall not find it. Well, that's what's happening today. Well, how could that be? we got Bibles everywhere. Yeah, most of them aren't the right Bible. Most of, them, most of these people are running to and fro, trying to seek the word of God, but they don't even know what the word of God is. Okay, that's the same time we're living in now. Many are running to and fro. Many are being swept about with every wind of doctrine, as the Bible says. Now, I'm trying to give you as much scripture here as I can to back this up. Um, but, we've got all these ministries doing this, going here, going there, and, and the grounding, the foundation, what I see with most of these ministries is corrupt. It's leavened. And a little leaven leavened at the whole lump. And the Bible says in Proverbs 11, verse 3, that if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, the devil knows that more than anybody. So the devil, what he seeks to do is corrupt that foundation right from the get-go. That, that man could come in there and have a pure heart. He could really want to serve God. And he gets into that cemetery, and that cemetery ruins him. It leavens him. He gets, he gets all this false doctrine. He gets pride. He gets these degrees. Okay? And it ruins him. Okay, let's say he got, let's say he got through seminary and he was still okay. Well, then he takes that 501c3 status. I'm telling you, it's going to affect you. You cannot lay down with dogs and not get fleas. You lay down and you do things that are ungodly and unbiblical. Well, the Bible says obey the law of the land. I don't see any, any case in the New Testament where Jesus Christ or any of the disciples said, you shall incorporate your church to placate the government so you can preach. Tell that to Paul Bunyan. Um... You know, tell, tell it to a lot of martyrs that died who wouldn't take a license or who wanted to practice their religion outside of the confines of the established church. That's who most of the martyrs were. 
well, it was good enough for them. I think it should be good enough for us. But it's so hard because in America there's so many pleasures and vices and distractions and things of this nature. So I guess I, I just wanted to kind of lay the groundwork. I don't see one ministry on planet Earth that knows this all in totality. I, I'd say David Bayes comes about the closest. Um, but again, David really scares me with his stance on the King James. I just feel as though that's a gigantic open door potentially for him. Um, he's been very good to me. He actually, you know, he promotes my Avion Flu DVD. Uh, he's on my email list. I consider him a friend. He is one of the few men that have ever been the, the, the head of any major ministries that has ever called me personally on the phone and thanked me for certain things that I've done. Uh, he's the only guy. So, you know, when Kelly McGinley and them started to talk, you know, I haven't heard hardly hiding her hair, Kelly McGinley. You know, I mean, I got one email from her the other day, and, and I don't know what's been going on there. But, I mean, I think God may really, you know, may have really uh, been working on her, too. This article that I'm going to get into, you could say you don't believe any of this or whatever. I'm telling you this confirms what my research has proved out and what the Bible says. Okay, now, the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses a thing is established. Um, I want to know, what is this deal with this whole stupid alien thing? I know it's coming. I know it's going to be part of the end time. Grand delusion. Grand deception. We know it is. I mean, the, de the devil's telegraphing his punches. You think he's got all these shows on TV and in the movies and in print and all this disinformation? You think he's got all that for no reason that he's not going to ultimately take advantage of some of this that he's putting out there? Well, sure he is. He's, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's not going to waste his effort. Um, so there's a man. He's dead now. He died for this information. His name's William Cooper. He wrote the book, Behold a Pale Horse. Now, I'm not saying I agree with everything William Cooper says. What? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying I agree with everything Bill Cooper says or William Cooper. I'm not saying that. Um, but I'll tell you what, the man gave his life to bring forth this information. And I mean, he was assassinated. He was dead. Now, if anybody would go to that length and not compromise himself for the sake of truth then you know something, I have to take a look a look at that. I have, to, I have to at least give that an honest look because that is about a hundred times more or a thousand more times more than most people and most ministers are willing to do where they give their own life for this. Um, now, I'm going to read this to you. Um, it says, this is my creed. This is, this is by William Cooper. This, was, this quote was taken August 3rd, 1990 at Camp Verde, Arizona. This is his creed. He says, I first believe in God, the same God in which my ancestors believed. I believe in Jesus Christ, and that He is my Savior. Second, I believe in the Constitution of the Republic of the United States of America. See, we're a republic, we're not a democracy. I pledge allegiance to the flag and to the republic, and to the democracy for which it stands. A democracy is basically communism. A democracy is basically what... Com uh, Karl Marx wrote in the Ten Planks of the Communist Manifesto how to create a communist country or, de or democracy. And one of them was a heavy progressive income tax. And there was a lot of other things. They just tax you out the door and the state takes over everything. Okay, So, I believe in the Constitution of the Republic of the United States of America. Without interpretation as it was written and meant to work. I have given my sacred oath 
to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. This man served in very, very high-level military um, in the uh, in our government. I intend to fulfill that oath. Third, I believe in the family unit, and in particular my family unit. I have sworn that I will give my life, if it is required, in defense of God, the Constitution, or my family. Fourth, I believe that any man without principles, that he is without principles that he is ready and willing to die for at any given moment is already dead and of no use or consequence whatsoever. This guy's pretty hardcore. I like him. He's hardcore. I mean, you say something like that and he backed it up. He's dead. They killed him for this. I mean, it's not like he didn't pay a price for putting this stuff out here. So, now, this is called a covenant with death. Remember that title. A covenant with death. What is this covenant with death? Maybe it's the covenant that our, that our government, that our country's got into. And you could, you could kind of say, you could go through this, just keep bearing in mind, keep remembering Genesis 5, where it talks, is it Genesis 5 or 6? Genesis 5, where it talks about, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be, the sons of God, so the daughters of men. This was predicted, okay? So, again, we should be looking for it. I mean, there's a lot of preachers that say, well, there's nothing more that needs to happen before Jesus Christ comes back or whatever. Well, okay. That's fine. Well, if that's the case, then where's the prediction of all this, of all these fallen angels and what they're going to be doing in the end times? Where, where, shouldn't we see manifestation of that? I mean, if Jesus could come back at any moment, shouldn't there be some signs? Well, it's all around us. The following document was released by William Cooper to members of various U.S. UFO research and patriot research organizations. The manuscript, which ties together certain aspects of the secret government and the UFO phenomenon, was titled The Secret Government... Um, and it gives the whole thing. All this is referenced. Everything that I'm basically reading you is all referenced. I originally wrote this piece as a research paper. It was first delivered at a MUFON symposium July 2nd, 1989. Now, MUFON is one of the organizations in the, quote, UFO community that does research on UFO abductions and things like this. Now, we're going to see that these UFO organizations that are out there are... Basically, disinformation, um, uh, most of the time, disinformation, they steal evidence, they, they don't give us the whole truth. Why is that? Because the government, our government, has infiltrated all these UFO organizations. And if you think of the UFO organizations, what do you normally think of? You think of some whacked out nutcase with, with Spock ears, and he's acting like um, uh, Mr. Spock from, from Star Trek, going to some convention, and, you know... I went to school with a guy like that. I mean, he really was the real deal, the whole nine yards. I mean, he looked like Spock. But, I mean, um, you, you automatically think, nutcase, idiot, somebody... In fact, case in point. I was watching the History Channel the other night, and I flipped down one channel. I was watching some documentary. I flipped down one channel, and it was the um, Sci-Fi Channel. And they had this mock... UFO convention, and it was it was a UFO convention where these people, and these were the people that were the main vendors at the UFO convention, they were having this meeting the night before this UFO convention started, and this was one of the most prestigious UFO conventions ever, okay? I'm just saying this to, to make a point. They presented these people as the biggest basket nutcases you could possibly, every one of them were absolutely, the one guy was this guy, he looked like he was a, probably pushing about 500 pounds. Again, had his head painted silver. He was wearing this silk, full silver body, so he looked like an alien, okay? He was trying to look like an alien. And then some other guy, he was like this...
brown shirt Nazi guy from him who was real, real paranoid. And then, and then some other lady that was, they were all fighting and bickering with one another. None of them agreed about nothing. They were all portrayed as idiots. Every one of them. That's exactly how the government wants to portray anybody that would even touch this subject. Because why? Why would the government go so far to do that? Because they want this... See, they already own the church, as far as I'm concerned. They've already infiltrated the church. The government's already infiltrated. They've got people in the churches right now. Pastors, high-level Satanists in the pulpit. It's well known. I believe what they're almost more scared about is the UFO thing. Because if, if, if the true Christians ever really woke up to what's going on with this, you have to wake up to a lot of other stuff, too. And you'd really have to, to, to evaluate the day and time you're living in. But I'll tell you what, uh, there's going to be a lot of people destroyed for lack of knowledge. And this is going to be one of the main reasons they're going to be... De- this is going to be the one of the main reasons that if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. I would venture to say this is going to be one of the main... How are they going to be deceived? Right here. Right here. Because nobody's talking about it. It's never talked about. Oh, we can't. Oh, he's a nutcase. I don't want to bring that up. Why? The Bible said it was going to happen. It says it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. Hmm. Hmm, that's a pretty interesting statement. That's, pre- that's like a warning. And the main thing Jesus said concerning the end times was, Be not deceived, be not deceived, be not deceived. He said it was going to be like it was in the days of Lot and the days of Noah. So, w- shouldn't we be looking for this? Well, yeah, but nobody is. They're just, oh, no, no, we don't want that. That's No, I, I, I want to I live my life with ease. I want to go to church and feel good about myself, keep my sin, live like the devil, and still think I'm going to heaven. I want to have my cake and eat it too. That's what it boils down to. This isn't comfortable. I mean, to me it's comfortable. I, 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 I want to know the truth. I, I really avidly, truly do want to know the truth. And like I said, this confirms every, all my research. It says, um, most of the knowledge which comes, most of this knowledge which comes directly as a result of my own research into the top secret um, material, which I saw read between the years of 1970 and 1973 as a member of the intelligent briefing team of the, of the commander-in-chief of the Pacific Fleet. This is what William Cooper did. He was very, very high level up in the military at one point. And many times, God will use somebody that was from that background and pull them out like he did Bill Schneblin. Bill Schneblin was in all that stuff. God pulled him out. Well, You'd say, well, I, why would God use somebody like that? Well, who better to use? He's seen the devices of Satan. He, this is why people want to see so much Bill Schneblin. What he does. That interview with a vampire that he did. And all these other things that, that, that he's done. Because he's been there and done things that most Christians have never done. I can kind of say that a little bit myself. I've been some places a lot of Christians haven't been. I've been in the I've been in the, uh, really, really radical Pentecostal stuff that a lot of Christians haven't seen. And they don't know what that's like. And, and the, um, the mind control that can happen with that. I view that, I'm glad God let me go through all that, because I have a unique perspective to help people with. And the more knowledge you learn, the more you can help other people that may need that knowledge. God isn't, God isn't going to just give you knowledge so that you can just hoard it all, and be like the Dead Sea where the river's flowing in, there's nothing flowing out. If you do that, you'll become bitter and hateful. You've got to give it out. If you keep giving it out and giving it out, God will give you more. That's the way it works. That's why I'm always giving out, giving out, giving out. I can't help it. I can't shut my mouth. I just want to keep giving out. I'm like, well, what, and, then, and then I think, well, they're not listening. Well, it doesn't matter. The Bible says that the watchman see the sword coming, and he warn not the city, then this, their blood shall be required at his hands. Well, I don't want their blood to be required at my hands. And, but you know what's even more important than that, I think? Because I don't think that should be your main motivation. Jesus says, it's the golden rule. 
you know, whatever you would have men do, do to you, do ye also unto them. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you have done unto yourself. Well, wouldn't you want somebody to tell you the truth? But here's what happens. You tell them the truth and Galatians 4.16 kicks in. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Yes, that's usually what happens. You make, you make enemies. Or you lose patience. Man, I can't imagine how many patients I've lost because of the emails I've sent out. Put them on my, I mean, I only put them on my health email list, but that's radical enough, my health email list. I offend a lot of people with that. I had a guy the other day, his, his email address was KJV Street Preacher or whatever, and he asked, he's like, please remove me. He couldn't take what I was saying. <laughs> KJV Street Preacher. He couldn't take what I was saying. And those guys are the hardest of the hard. Ooh. Anyway, so this guy was, he's got credentials. Um, and then it says, since some of the information was derived from sources that I cannot divulge for obvious reasons and from published sources, which I cannot vouch for, this must be termed a hypothesis. I firmly believe that if the aliens are real, this is the true nature of the beast. It is the only scenario that answers all of the questions and places the various fundamental mysteries in an arena that makes sense. In other words, why is all of this stuff that's happening? And is what he learned... Does it line up with his worldview? Does it also line up with the Bible? Does it, does, it, is it, does it help everything make sense? Because, see, to me, when I read this, it helps me make sense of everything. This isn't something you're going to come away from once you get this in, in your head and say, oh, I'm really confused now. No, if you really look at this, now I'm not saying you're going to get it the first time through of all of it, but if you really look at this, this totally lines up with the Bible. That's one of the reasons why it rings so true with me. Because I'm looking for answers here, knowing that this is coming, knowing that there's really no ministries that are out there. I mean, what are you going to do? Turn to Sherry Shriner? That's a great example of a woman at the head of a ministry, totally becoming totally ungodly, ungodly excuse me, and, and, and being someplace that God never called her. The woman doesn't have a submissive bone in her body. And she goes and acts as though she is she is the highest thing on this planet. I mean, she is she is God's most beloved. There is no other on the earth that could even compare to her. She basically says this in her books. I mean, even if you were, do you think God would ever call you to say that in writing? That is unbelievable. But, you know, she's one of the only ones that, you know... I, I guess what I'm saying is there's not a whole lot out there, even among Christians... Because they're not really hardly even Christians, most of them. Most of them are so far off doctrinally. And you have to have doctrine. You have to have doctrine. You have to have the Word of God as your foundation. Then you build. Okay, It's not, okay, i got all this alien information and all this stuff about current events, and then the Bible's over here somewhere, so kind of some... No, no, it's got to be built on this. Now, if you can build on this, that's good. But if, you, if this falls on that and this burns up, well, then you know it wasn't truth. See, this will burn up. The Bible says, It's not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Jeremiah twenty nine twenty six. So, I'm telling you, the word of God, you put, you put something false on it, it'll burn it up. It'll burn it up. It will not stand up under the scrutiny in the light of Scripture. This stands up. Now, I'm not saying, like I said, I agree with every single thing William Cooper's ever said, but for the most part, this stands up. Yeah, we, we were just talking about how, how so many times you would read commentaries in regard to Genesis 5, in regard to the sons of God being the sons of Seth. 
And I mean, I've already gotten into this in previous messages, but the, but honestly, that is so easy to disprove. All you have to do is do a specific keyword search in the Old Testament for the sons of God, and every single time that phrase only occurs in regard to angels. Go to Job, Job 1 and Job 2, where it says the sons of God um, um, were, were the ones that came before um, the Lord, and Satan came before them. And this is where you know the whole dialogue between God and Satan about Job took place, and the sons of God were there witnessing this. How could they be the sons of Seth that did this? They weren't doing it. Now, in the, in the New Testament, it's different, okay, as far as the context of the sons of God, because the, actually the believers referred to as, the, as sons of God in the New Testament were also referred to as kings and priests and joint heirs with Christ and sons of God, okay? Not the son, S-O-N of God, but son, little s, okay? So, um, that's an easy one to disprove, but, you know, yeah, you could have that going on. And, you know, you see, this is why it's so important to read the right Bible, because... Right there, you can go in the King James Bible and reference where that specific phrase took, takes place and see what's the context, because the Word of God will help define itself. Okay? And Gary Rippinger has a whole book on that, that, that that helps you interpret the Bible in that way. Uh, but you switch to an NIV or an American Standard or one of these other perversions, and forget it, anything goes. Who knows what they've got in there when it comes to sons of God, you know? Um, so anyway... Uh, that, that is a very important thing to, to, uh, to get into. So, he says, During the years following World War II, the government of the United States was confronted with a series of events which were to change beyond prediction its future, and with it the future of humanity. That's a pretty big statement there. A series of events after World War II would change beyond prediction its future, and with it the future of humanity? A stunned President Truman and his top military commanders found themselves virtually impotent after having just won the most devastating and costly war in history. Well, why would that happen? I didn't hear about this on the news. No, you didn't. You wouldn't have heard about it if you lived back then either. The United States had developed, used, and was the only nation on earth in possession of an atomic bomb. This new weapon had the potential to destroy an enemy and even the earth itself. At the time, the United States had the best economy, the most advanced technology, the highest standard of living, exerted the most influence, and fielded the largest and most powerful military forces in history. We can only imagine the confusion and concern when the informed elite of the United States government discovered that alien spacecraft piloted by um, alien beings from a totally incomprehensible culture had crashed in the desert of New Mexico. Now, this was Roswell. We hear of Roswell, New Mexico. This is what happened in, um, what was it, 1948? When, when a... When a, uh, a Flying saucer, one of these things crashed in Roswell, New Mexico. And they've got all kind of proof on this, okay? The government ended up saying, oh, it was a weather balloon. Give me a break. They recovered bodies. They recovered all these things, okay? Now you say, well, if these things are just demonic, how could they have bodies? Well, Nephilim had bodies. Nephilim had bodies. I mean, that's why the sons of God saw the daughters of men. They had, these were the men of old, the men of renown. Well, they don't sound like men of renown to me if they're aliens and, and, and they're, uh, uh, they're, um, they, they, they've got to be giants. No, they don't. Satan has all kind of breeding and all... Who knows what he's doing? He's got all kind of nasty stuff he's amassing for this end times. They don't necessarily have to fit into our comprehension of things. So, and I'm not saying they're not demonic because they're definitely demonic as well. So, it says that um, some have alleged that certain... Um, of these uh, alien creatures appeared. Other indications suggest that they may be paraphysical entities of some sort. Perhaps these, those allegedly released, um, 
there's been a lot of people that get abducted in these. And I'm going to simplify this because I need to be I need to be here to to interpret this information. What he's saying here is some of them say that they're real entities and they actually have physical bodies and things of this nature, which I believe there's there's that's true. But there's also many times people that get abducted. It's well known that all of a sudden these things will actually like appear out of nowhere. I mean, they, it's like you're looking at the corner of your room and all of a sudden they're coming out of the corner. Well, now hold on. Doesn't the Bible talk about a first, a second, and a third heaven? Isn't there another dimension that 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 we're that's actually more real than the one that we live in? Wouldn't that be the spirit dimension? Wouldn't that be where demons and fallen angels operate? Well, sure it would. Well, that's the dimension that they operate in, okay, for the most part, okay? So, if you have a fallen angel that fall, fell from the third heaven to the second heaven, which is basically what you're talking about, he, he left his first estate, which was the third heaven, and he came to the second, okay? He could still go back and forth. Satan could do the same thing. He still can, as far as I know. Uh, I know in the Revelation it says that he's going to be he's going to be cast out of the third heaven, but that hasn't happened yet. Okay, so this this whole thing, see, we, we're we're thinking only in our dimension, but there's other there's another dimension out there that they can pass back and forth to. So bear that in mind when we talk about this stuff. They say many times that they see these flying saucers or, or alien uh, things in the sky, and they just disappear, or they do things, or they'll be in the sky and they'll be going like. 10,000 miles, and then they'll do an exact, they'll, they'll do a right-hand turn going 10,000 miles. Now, the laws of physics dictates that if that were to happen, anything inside that saucer would be like um, blender. You know, you'd be instantly vaporized against the wall if that were to happen. But see, they're not operating in totality in our dimension. They're operating under different sets of rules and laws in another dimension that they can pass back and forth to. So, bear that in mind. When we talk about this, okay, so um, between January of 1947 and December of 1952, at least 16, I didn't know this, January 1947 and December of 1952, at least 16 crashed or downed alien aircraft with a total of 65 bodies and one live alien were recovered. Now, we always hear of Roswell, that's the main one that everybody talks about, okay, but did you realize there was, there was 16 of these things that went down and that five-year time period? I had no idea. 65 bodies were recovered? An additional alien craft had exploded and nothing was recovered from the incident. Of these events, 13 occurred within the borders of the United States, not including the craft which disintegrated in the air. <clears throat> of these 13... And he has a picture of one of these crafts right here. Um, of these 13, one was in Arizona, 11 were in New Mexico, and one was in Nevada. Sightings of UFOs were so numerous that serious investigation and debunking of each report became virtually impossible. Um, let's see here. Um, an alien craft was found February 13, 1948 on a mesa near Artec, New Mexico. Another craft was located on March 25, 1948, in White Sands Proving Ground. It was 100 feet in diameter. A, totally, a total of 17 alien bodies were recovered from these two crafts. Of even greater significance was the discovery of a large number of human body parts stored within these vehicles. Hmm, I wonder why they got those in there. The human body parts? Huh. A demon had reared its head, and the paranoia quickly took hold of everyone in the know. 
The secret lid immediately became a top secret lid and was screwed down tight. You know what it says in the book of Enoch? Now the book of Enoch is referenced, I'm not saying it's canon, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's in totality the word of God, but the book of Enoch is referenced in Jude. It is referenced in Jude, specifically the book of Enoch. And I believe it's mentioned one other place in the Bible. So the Bible does give credence to the book of Enoch. The book of Enoch says that these, that the, and the book of Enoch talks about this more than any other subject. This whole fall. It's like, the book of Enoch is like Genesis 5 on steroids. It gives you the whole picture of what happened when these, when these sons of God fell. Okay? So the book of Enoch gets in a lot greater detail. It gives the names of a lot of these fallen angels. It gives what their specialty was in the dark arts. It, it gives what they did to humans. It, and you know what it always said in the book of Enoch? It says that eventually these things got to the point where they were cannibalizing and eating humans. That's what they were doing. Now, think about it. If you were Satan and you wanted to make God the maddest as you possibly could make him, what would you do? Well, the Bible says in Genesis, it says, come, let us make man in our image. Well, who was our image? It's not goddess, God, which a lot of a lot of these stupid religions will say. Well, it's a goddess, and Father God and Jesus. Because the goddess would be representative of Semiramis, Jesus would be representative of Tammuz, and the Father would be representative of Nimrod. It would line up with all the pagan religions. Isn't that nice? No, it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Okay. It says, come, let us make man in our image. It says it in Genesis 1. In our image, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, every time Satan were to look at a human being, he would see that. He would see that, that, that God's image, and he hates that. And he knows that the Bible says it's his will that not one would perish, but all would come to repentance. And the Bible says that, that, that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. It says it right there. So what does Satan try to do? He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, don't you think if he put his minions on this earth, and he's the, he's the battle leader of all these things, that he would try to take out as many humans and defile as many humans as possible? Now, what's the best way to defile a human? To interbreed them with a fallen angel. Best way you can defile them, that I can see. Take a fallen angel and interbreed that with a woman. Oh, that's never happened in the Bible. It did in Genesis chapter 5. It got so bad he had to wipe out the whole world. See, what I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm trying to act as though, okay, you be the judge. And I'll be, I'll be the defense attorney. And I'm presenting a case here. I feel as though the evidence is so overwhelming. I'm just trying to make it as obvious to you all and to the people listening to this tape it is, as it is to me. Because it is so, it's so obvious. Okay? So, G so Satan wants to defile humanity. Another reason he wanted to defile humanity. Why? Because he had predicted it said that, that, that um, Eve's seed would bruise the serpent's head. Well, he knew if he could eliminate the lineage of man, there would be no seed to bruise Satan's head. Who was the seed that bruised Satan's head? Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. He, didn't, his, he wasn't successful. God saved eight people out of the world, okay? And, and granted, him and his wife, I believe, were the two main culprits of why it got nasty again, because that's where we get the lineage of Cush and, um, um, Cush and Nimrod and all those fun guys. So, the devil always has a contingency plan, okay? And then it says that, that um, in fact, you can read it. I'll, I'll just read it to you real quick, just, just so you know this. You'd say, well, all, all the giants got wiped out. There, there's no more. I mean, because, um, well, number one, that doesn't line up with what Jesus said. He said, so as, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days. Well, didn't they all get wiped out in the flood? 
Well, I'm not 100% sure if, if uh, all the ones on the earth, maybe they all did get wiped out. But that's not to say more angels didn't fall afterward. It's not to say more angels didn't do the exact same things. Well, how could they? I mean, they saw the example that was set. Well, you would have thought that the angels that fell the first time wouldn't have done it either. Being in the presence of God, the most almighty creator, creator of the universe, omnipotent, omniscient, almighty God, you would think that none of them would have fallen from the get-go, but they did. Well, and that's between them and God. I don't know. Yeah, you, you have. Yeah, there, there's earmarks of people that are, um, I believe, in this, in this, I guess, this demonic bloodline. It says, <clears throat> in, Ch in uh, Genesis 6, uh, verse 4, it says, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. Also after that. What's after that? After the flood. So whether, whether, I don't know, maybe some of them went underground, because I know that's where a lot of these, these beings do their work. Maybe some of them went underground and came above ground. Maybe some more fell. I don't know. All I know is the Bible says they were after that too. That's, that's irrelevant to me really. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was continually evil only. Well, that's what happens when you have this going on. You will have a society where it gets to the point where the only thoughts of their mind are, are only on continually on evil only. That's where we're going. That's why we're seeing all this wickedness this Christmas, this Xmas, and um, it's no wonder, you know, all this, see, all this does to me is fire me up because it just totally confirms what the Bible's already stated is going to happen. So, um, the secret lid immediately became a top secret lid and was screwed down very, very tight. The security blanket was even tighter than that imposed upon the Manhattan Project. In the coming years, these events were to become the most closely guarded secrets in the history of the world. This is how seriously the government took this. The government took it more seriously than any other thing that's, that's happened in the last hundred years. Yet, anybody that gets into this type of research is labeled a total stinking kook. Why would that be? Because the government doesn't want anybody to know anything about this until they're ready. Until the Antichrist is ready, in particular. Now, this is going to tie in a lot with these ascended masters that are coming. Lord Maitreya, we heard about him, he's in the UN. His, his ambassador, Benjamin Cream. Benjamin Cream just addressed the U.S. about uh, the United Nations a couple months ago. Benjamin Cream, the mouthpiece for Lord Maitreya. Who's another one? Sananda. He's the guy that looks just like Jesus, all those long-haired pictures of Jesus Christ. His name's Sananda. There's another one called Saint Germain. He's another one. He supposedly lived for like four or five hundred years. He's like the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. Okay. Then there's another one. His name's Hanton. Now these are these ascended masters. He, you know who he says he is? The eternal father God of all. He's the creator of everything. Hanton. You know what he is? You know what he's admitted to being? A large gray alien. He says, I am a large gray alien. I was there. I read the, the, the thing on a, on a website. I, he actually has a website where he posts. I'm not lying. Now, now I'm really going out there. Oh, now he's really out left field. Oh, bless God, he's went up the stinking deep end this time. I don't care. I'm telling you what I've read. He, these are the same entities that are coming to the fore. They're coming to the fore. They're coming, guys. They are. I guarantee you. 
when this official disclosure happens, most likely it's going to be in concert with World War III, when the Antichrist comes out of the ashes of World War III and says to the, and says to the Arabs and to the Jews, we're going, to, we're going to make this covenant. And they're going to confirm the covenant for a week, like I said in Daniel, and that's when the tribulation is going to start, most likely. Right then. They're going to confirm the covenant for seven years. And the Antichrist is going to be the one that does it. And you know what? He's going to bring all his buddies with him. He's going to bring these ascended masters. I'm not sure if Hampton or any of those guys are the actual Antichrist. I don't know. But I think they're going to play a part. And each one of these ascended masters is going to appeal to a different religion. Um, Lord Maitreya, from what I've been told, is the one that's going to really appeal to the uh, Muslims. Because he always appears with a turban on, and he appears to a lot of... Now, he has appeared to Christians. But he is more going to be considered, I think, Muhammad reincarnated. Um, Sananda is going to be the one that goes to the Christians. He's going to be, they're going to say, he's going to come back, he's going to have nail marks in his hands, man. He's got them already. He's going to look just like those pictures of Jesus everybody hangs up. Oh, it's Jesus. He's got nail marks in the hand. He's going to come and deceive many. The Bible says, you know, if they come and say that here's Jesus or there, just do not believe them. Okay, so, that's part of this whole thing as well. This whole scenario. I'm trying to give you the big, big picture today. Okay? They're tied in with this. These, now, you would say, well, if he's a large gray alien, how can he look like a human? Because they can shapeshift. Well, the Bible says that if Satan can be transformed into a minister of light, it's no wonder that his, that his ministers can be transformed into angels of light. Well, does that mean that they can change their form? Sure it does. Yes, it does. Yes, they can change their form. They're, 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 uh, a, they're a being that is much more advanced than we are on the level that we're at right now. They can do things that we can't quite comprehend. Does Jesus appear in different forms? Can he appear? In, well, he appeared as a human on this earth, and then he came back, and, and, or, or, or when um, um, he was up there on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was transformed then, okay, he can appear as, I mean, if he was, if he appeared like he did in the start of the book of Revelation, where his eyes were as of a flaming fire and his feet were brazen brass, I mean, you'd die. Angels can appear different ways. Angels came down, they came, they appeared as probably, I believe, very good looking men. But the one that, that Daniel saw when he, when he had done his 21 day fast, and, and, and the one that was prevented by the prince of Persia, it said, when I saw him, I fell as dead at his feet. So he wasn't appearing the same way these other ones. I'm just trying to, okay, come let us reason together, saith the Lord. That's what we're doing here, okay? I'm trying to say, okay, I can, hear the, I can hear the arguments, I can hear the objections. I'm trying to head off every objection before they even come up. Because I think this is something that needs to be addressed. And it sure is not being addressed by King James Fundamental Non-501c3 churches. I mean, this is, have you ever, ever heard a sermon preached on that? In any of those churches. We, I mean... I doubt we're going to hear one tonight where we're going. I mean, I mean, I love them, but I doubt we're going to hear it. So, um, a special group of America's top scientists were organized under the project SIGN, SIGN, in December of 1947 to study the phenomenon. The whole nasty business was contained. In other words, the government didn't want nobody to know about this at all. They wanted this to be as top secret as you could possibly be. Uh, a low-level collection and disinformation project named Blue Book was formed under Grunge. You know, this is another organization. Sixteen volumes were, were to come out of Grunge. Blue teams were put together to recover crash disks or live aliens. 
The blue teams were later to evolve into the alpha teams under Project Pounce. Now, see, what they do is, the way our government is set up, especially the dark secret government, which is where the majority of our money to running this country goes. If the truth be known, most of the money that, that now the IRS, that, that's, none of that money goes to running this country. That all goes to the International Monetary Fund to pay off the interest on the national debt, or to keep the interest lower. It can never pay off the interest because there's nothing back in our money. That's a whole other subject. But this is different. This is, this is where a lot of our taxes end up going to these, they're called black projects. It's well known, okay, if you study it. These black projects, what they do is they, is it's called compartmentalization. They have one organization layered over another, layered over another, layered over another. Well, doesn't Satan always want to operate in darkness and secrecy? Well, it's easier when you layer things under, and you do things in darkness hidden, because it's, it's so much harder. They, and another thing, they don't have to answer to anybody. There's no accountability, because nobody knows about it. So how can how could even the voting base object when it's not being known? Well, they control the media. Well, it's never going to get out in the papers. It's never going to get out in the mainstream. What I'm telling you right now is, you know, they do not want people to know. So it says, during these early years, this, the United States Air Force and the Central Intelligence Agency, which is the CIA, exercised complete control over the alien secret. In fact, the CIA was formed by a presidential executive order first as the Central Intelligence Group for the express purpose of dealing with the alien presence. That's why the CIA was formed, for this very, very reason. Very reason. By executive order, by the president. Later, the National Security Act was passed, establishing it as the Central Intelligence Agency. And then it goes on to give all this more, I'm not even going to get into it, all of these specific pieces of legislation and organizations that were formed. I can't, we don't have enough time to get into all of it. But he, I think what he's trying to do is really show you the progression of things. I'm just going to hit the high points. The live aliens that had been found wandering in the desert from the 1949 Roswell crash was named E.B. There was one live alien they recovered. And it was E.B. Okay? And I've even seen, they've even showed you, there's been pictures that were released of this thing. It was a little gray alien. I like to take a baseball bat and take his head right off. That's what I'd do if I had a chance. I would. The Bible says, you know, not to kill, but I, I, not not about that. Uh-uh. I'd kill one of those things in a heartbeat. I would. I would. I would. I view those things as the most vile, reprobate, demonic. You know, when God told the Israelites to go into these cities where there were giants, they were to kill every one of them. I don't view them as human. They can't be saved. This is one place where I would say... I'm sorry, I mean, unless somebody shows me scripture, oh no, were we going to love them into the kingdom? <laughs> I don't think so. I view them I view them as the most vile, reprobate entities. I view them as a direct extension and arm of Satan. That's how I view them. I know that sounds pretty extreme, but we're not dealing with human beings here, guys. Okay, We're not dealing with something that has any hope of ever going to heaven. We're dealing with entities that only are here for the express purpose of defiling humanity and taking as many people to hell as possible. This is why I would take a baseball bat, or whatever I would have to, if, if, if I was ever given that opportunity. I really would. But don't, don't think I'm opinionated, though, or anything on this. Or, or radical. Sorry. Anyway, the live aliens had been found wandering in the desert, 1949 crash. His name was Eby. The name had been suggested by Dr. Vannevar Bush and he and was short for extraterrestrial biological entity. Eby had a tendency to lie. Oh, I wonder, 
you know, maybe he's like his father, the devil, the father and the prince of lies. I wonder if that's why he had a tendency to lie. And for over a year would only answer desire, the desired answer to the questions that were asked. In other words, he told them what they wanted to hear. Whatever he wanted to hear. The little stinking thing, all he knew how to do was lie. Those questions would have resulted in an undesirable answer went unanswered. At one point during the second year of captivity, he began to open up. The information derived from E.B. was startling, to say the least. This compilation of his revelations became the foundation of what would later be called the Yellow Book. Photographs were taken of E.B., among others, I was to view years later in Project Grunge. See, he was part of this later. This, this, um, yeah. So, um, going a little bit further, uh, in the late 1951, E.B. E. became ill. Medical personnel had been unable to determine the causes of Evie's illness and had no background from which to draw. Several experts were called in to study the illness. These specialists included medical doctors, botanists, entomologists. A botanist named Dr. Guglielmino Mendoza was brought in to try to help him recover. Dr. Mendoza worked to save Evie until June 2, 1952, when Evie died. Dr. Mendoza became... Now, we know that the Nephilim could die because they all died in a flood. Okay. So again, just don't think of them just only as as giants. Okay, because they don't have to automatically manifest in that form. Not only that, the devil has had since then what four thousand years to perfect the breeding thing, and maybe he found that these giants were way, way, way too conspicuous, and we needed to get a little more low profile. So, um, and not only that, a lot of these things, like I said, can manifest and shape shift into different things. They can appear one way one minute and one way the next. And that's a whole other subject. Uh, in a futile attempt to save E.B. and to gain favor with technology of the superior race, the United States began broadcasting a call for help in 1952 into the vast regions of space. Now, this is exactly what the movie Contact is based on with Jodie Foster. They, we're broadcasting this thing since, actually, it was, it was really since 1930 in that movie. And out into space, into the ether... And hopefully we're going to have some benevolent race come and help us with our problems here on Earth. Well, that's what they started doing in 1952. Into space. They're broadcasting the signal. The call went unanswered, but the project dubbed Sigma continued as an effort of good faith. Apparently in this effort to kiss up to a more technologically advanced race of creatures, these government officials forgot E.B.'s infernal tendency to lie and instead continued to believe what they wanted to believe, that this was a sure way to satisfy their insatiable appetite for super technology, and that these creatures were benevolent. See, benevolent means nice. Malevolent means evil. Okay? So they said, oh, these are good. These are good devils. You can't have a good devil. You know? And that's what, another thing that you see a lot in the whole UFO community. Oh, well, these were good aliens. These were the Nordics. They were, sometimes these appear as blonde-haired, blue-eyed, beautifully gorgeous people. They're called Nordics. And they're one of the ways these aliens manifest. There's several ways. I'm just going to go through this. you got your Nordics, which are considered among the higher of the aliens. Okay? They always appear as blue-eyed, blonde-haired, beyond perfect-looking humans. Okay? Now, I've also seen where people have seen the Nordics shapeshift into reptile, reptilian-type creatures, okay? Okay, then you've got, um, you've got the gray aliens, which is what we're talking about here. Now, the gray aliens come in two varieties. There's a large gray alien, which are 
usually considered very, very high up in the whole caste system. And then there's the small gray aliens, which are considered the bottom of the barrel. The small gray aliens that we always see on TV are considered this, uh, uh, in this demonic hierarchy are always at the bottom of the barrel. They're like the workers. They're like the drones. Okay, What they actually are, I'm not 100%. I don't know whether they're Nephilim-like bred for this particular purpose. Who knows? Why do you think we got all this stuff right now as far as cloning? We're taking, we're taking human brains and we're combining it with, with rice? They're combining a human brain cell with rice now, and they're growing these genetically engineered crops. Well, now, if this is something that man's mind could conceive in the last 20 years, what do you think Satan's been doing for 4,000 years since the flood? Don't you think he's a little bit smarter than us? Plus, he doesn't have to contend with this thing called an earth suit. He's got to go, he's got to, he's got a full tank of gas all the time, all his devils. They don't get tired. So, they've got advantages on us that we don't have. Also, they can see us and we can't see them. So, see, there's certain advantages they have, they have on us. Of course, we're, we can do all things through Christ which strengthen us. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So, I mean, I don't mean to take it that way. But um, when, when uh, some of this stuff starts to seem like, oh, this can't be. Well, just remember, you know, we've got a lot of this stuff going on in our own government right now. And it's getting more and more and more open. I just saw this thing um, walk through the other day. And this guy... He had, I'm not lying, I just saw this last night. The, the, the surgeons had put a, I don't know if it was a cloned ear or something, it was on his arm. I'm not lying. He had a ear sticking out of his arm. Like what? Now, I didn't see the whole show, but what it was on, it was on the whole subject of cyborgs. And how cyborgs are going to be a good thing. Cyborgs would be like part robot, part human. You, you, they're, they're right now what they're doing with all the stuff is they're growing ears, they're growing hearts, they're growing livers, they're growing them in the laboratories, and they're going to be, you talk about playing God. So see, this stuff with, with these biological entities and these things, this is something that we're just getting clued into, but we probably learned it from them, because they've been doing it for years. The Bible talks a lot about an Enoch, that, that it said that these fallen angels came, and they not only defiled man, but what they also did is they defiled the plant kingdom. They defiled fish. They defiled animals. They started combining their own DNA with God's creation. Why? To defile it. They did that to the plants. Yes, we're doing it right now. Like I said, we're genetically engineering plants. These genetically modified organisms. These crops. And then when we eat them, they always have a very, very negative effect on our own bodies. So see, Satan's seeking to defile us every possible way he can. He's relentless. He's coming at it from every single angle he can possibly come at it. And man is his greatest tool that he's using to advance this. Because man is sold out to the devil for the most part. Oh, now he's really went off the deep end. Well, I'm telling you. I saw this thing last night. This guy, had a, he had an ear sticking out of his arm. And, yeah, I know. I, I need to get my feet on the ground. Um, and I'm like, what is he, what is he doing? I mean, that looks ridiculous. He's got an ear in his arm, his forearm. And, and it was actually something where they were trying to implant this ear in his arm so he could actually hear through this thing. I don't know whether he was deaf or what. But I know the stupidest thing you ever saw, an ear would be like, an, it would be like taking your ear, okay, and sticking it under your skin and, and having that impression come through your arm. And he had some wires hooked up to it, and what happened is it started getting infected, so they had to take his ear out. Oh, I mean, I, I, I cried like a baby. You should have saw me. I went into a fetal position, cried, started sucking my thumb. I was crying like a baby, lost his ear. It's terrible. 
Just terrible. Anyway, just kidding. Um, I, I thought to myself, I said, I've seen it all now. This guy's got ears grown out of his arms. That's nice. That's great. Yeah, it was right on the, the uh, one of these shows. It was on Cyborgs and how they're all going to be a good thing. They're interviewing these, oh, these, these Cyborgs. All, all it was was opinions. That's all you ever get is opinions. Oh, no, these Cyborgs aren't going to be a blight to humanity. They're going to be a good thing. I really think they are. Who cares what you think? You're playing God. You're doing something you should never... The Bible says that a seed should produce after its own kind. Well, that kind of takes out this whole seed splitting, gene splicing, all this junk they're doing, combining pig with human, animal with human, all this cloning stuff they're doing. I guarantee you they got a whole cloned army of humans right now that they're not telling us about. Because normally, whatever we see on the news, they're about 20 years ahead of that, 20 or 30. And that doesn't. And look at here. They've hid this from us all these years. They don't want us to know. They've got a whole army, guaranteed, of cloned humans and the thing is, as you always see with these alien abductions, what is the most common scenario on an alien abduction? Now, 3% of our population has said, they've come right, which is millions of people, have said that they have been abducted by an alien. Some of them remember being on whatever, wherever they took them to or whatever. Some of them don't. Many times the women turn up pregnant. Many, many times. I didn't sleep with anybody. I was a virgin. Well, how's that happen? They implanted them with sperm. They take them aboard there, and it always, when you when you read these abductees, what they're always saying over and over again is that they have a very, very special interest in the reproductive systems of humans. That's where these aliens always key on. And they're not gentle. They're brutal. Okay? Um, they view us like lab rats. Get you on these ships or whatever they do, and they... Um, they, what they do is they extract sperm from men, and they extract the eggs from women, and what they'll do is they grow things. I, I've, heard, I've heard people said that when they got on these ships, there were all these canisters lining the walls of all these half-demonic beings, half-human. I've read that so many times, I can't even tell you. Oh, now he's really getting off and left you. I don't really care. I'm telling you, it's coming. All the stuff that's being shoved down our throat with the X-Files and the cloning and the genetic engineering and the gene splitting and the stem cell research and the X-Files and the movies. Uh, this stuff isn't just coming for no reason. I guarantee you this is end time scenario stuff. It's cutting edge, but the Christian church avoids it like the plague. They just, oh no, no, we don't want to get into that. That's just, we'll be labeled as nutcases. I don't really care. My life is not a popularity contest. And if anybody can debunk or disprove what I'm saying, let them come forth and do it. Because I don't want to be putting out falsity. But I'm telling you, this confirms everything I've studied. And I'm telling you, this is what happens. Now, you cannot tell me that all these people that get abducted and always have a very, very similar common experience and it's always centered around the reproductive systems of males and females. You cannot tell me that there's no reason or, or intent behind that. Well, what was the biggest thing in the Bible in the days of Noah? Reproduction with humans. And then it says in the book of Enoch that they went and they not only did it with humans, but they were reproducing with, with fish and with animals and with plants. They're doing the same thing today. It's as plain as day if you just study it. So, anyway, I told you this was going to be lighthearted today now, didn't I? I told you it was going to be whimsical, fluffy, just not, you know, easy stuff to take in.
You know, now this is good stuff to bring up at, at your uh, at your next family function. Strike up a conversation on this at the dinner table. See how it goes over like a lead balloon. Of course, I do. I bring this stuff up with my parents and stuff. But listen, um, to a certain extent. So it says, um, uh, it said that they were the, the the scientists that were talking to this this EB devil wanted to believe that they were that this was a sure way they may satisfy their insatiable appetite for super technology, and that these creatures were benevolent in spite of the fact that human body parts were found on board of at least two of their craft. Human body parts? What's up with that? They, they have a preoccupation with human body parts. Hmm. In our opinion, these officials deserve whatever their harmful actions may have, may have been taken against them by these creatures as a result of establishing a relationship with what was obviously a malevolent alien race for the most selfish of all motives. In other words, they deserve whatever they get. The problem is, is they're bringing this all into humanity. And, and the fact that they actually set up a relationship or a dialogue, it would be like setting up a relationship, an official relationship with the devil. That's basically what you're doing here. When you, when you, I mean, you can't, number one, you can't, just, just like um, people that do... Uh, um, you know, some of these people that, that have had encounters with devils and things like this. They always lie. You, you get, get a Ouija board. And don't get a Ouija board. I'm saying these people that do the Ouija board ask the devil's questions. You think you're going to get a straight answer out of a devil? Well, it's no different with this thing. You know, they're all from the um, pit of hell. So it says that um, it is not certain whether this particular alien was one of the they're called mantis-like infernals or one of the reptilian saucers. They've got different classifications. Oh, I didn't finish that. You got the small gray aliens, you got the large gray aliens. You got these things called, they're called insectoids or whatever. They're, they look like a praying mantis or whatever. Now, these are, these are aliens that people have verified seeing over and over and over and over again. Then you have your Nordics. And then the last one, they're called reptilians. And the reptilians appear as these big, gigantic, dragon-looking-like things. Now, the Bible talks a lot in the Bible about the dragon and how it was evil. Well, the reptilians, um, I believe, come in two varieties. There's a dark skin and then there's a lighter skin. And the lighter skin are like the highest of the highest of the high. They're like the royal order or whatever of these things. Now, I know, again, that sounds pretty lighthearted and whimsical, what I just said, but I'm telling you that if you read these accounts of these people, and you can't tell me they're all nuts. You can't tell me three million people are all nuts. They just, most of them don't want to come forward with this because they'll be labeled as a nutcase. Okay? I'm going to tell you why all these people have been getting abducted. I'm, and we're going to get into that. Whereas you go back 100 years ago, this wasn't prevalent. What's changed? I'm going to tell you what's changed. We're going to get into that. However, the movie the Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which whitewash, whitewashed the actual malevolent nature of the aliens to an incredible degree, depicted both the small gray aliens, and the long-armed mantis-like creatures as working together. As we've said, it seems that the desire of the secret government to obtain the occult technology of these particular aliens was one of their main motivations for establishing a working contact with the Caesarian greys, these gray aliens, instead of with the more benevolent, though protective, human-alien races, even if it were meant. Now, I don't believe any of them are good. That's where I would differ on him totally. Some of these guys actually believe that some of these things are good. 
there ain't no, they're all from the pit of hell. I don't care. I, I, there is no way. I believe that because there's no scripture. Jesus came to this earth to seek and save that which was lost, to die for sinners, human sinners. Not, they already had their chance. I'm sorry, they had their chance. Well, that, well then somebody would say, well, what about these Nephilim? Now, Bill Schneblin's come out and said that he believes they can be saved. He believes that, that a, a person that's um, basically like half a uh, fallen angel, half um, human, can be saved. Because he says, well, they've got to... Uh, 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 I don't know. The Bible says, you know, talks a lot about the seed in the Bible and the seed being corrupted. And you can't get much more corrupted than that. I just don't think that... Personally, I don't, I don't believe it's possible. I don't believe it's possible. Now that's a that's a pretty outer spacey thing to even be talking about, but it will invariably come up. Um, I don't agree with him on that. I think they're deceivers. All I can see about these these aliens is they're deceivers. They're here to deceive and to trick us. And um, again, I, I keep referring to them as aliens, but really we should refer to them as Nephilim-like creations. There's some type of Nephilim is what we're dealing with here. There's different forms. There's different degrees. Just like there's black-skinned races of humans and there's white-skinned races and there's tan. Well, they've got different forms too. And there's different rankings just like in um, any type of military. And like in God's um, um, army in heaven, there's angels of different ranks and different... Well, the same thing exists in this one. That's where they all originated from. If you think about it before they fell. So, this movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, whitewashed all of this thing about these aliens. They wanted to portray them as these benevolent, nice, wonderful beings that want to come to man and help him solve all of his problems. And they're going to go one step further because all these aliens are actually coming and saying, I am your creator. Like this Hampton guy. This Hampton, large gray alien, who he says he is. He has said, I am the creator of all things. I am, I created all of you. And see, you were like my science project, like you know, five billion years ago, and now I've got to come back to straighten everything out because you've made such a mess of things. But I'm going to be good to you, and I'm going to come back and straighten it all out. Yeah. We were talking that the, the UFO people out there. We're going to talk about this. They're, you know, they perpetuate this myth. They they perpetuate the whole lie about yes, they're from Zeta Reticuli, and these things are coming, and and and, and they're going to come to our planet and. Some of them are good and some of them are bad, and there's going to be this big war between them. And they're all evil. They're all from the pit of hell. I don't care what anybody says. They are all evil. There's no good fallen angels. And there's nothing good that, that a fallen angel can produce. You can't. I mean, you cannot bring forth fresh water from a salt water fountain. The Bible's sake makes that clear. You can't do it. If the seed be corrupt, a little leaven, leaven, and the, leaven at the whole lump. If the seed is bad... And, it, it's a, and that seed is a tear. That tear is a tear, and it's a tear. It cannot be redeemed. You can't do it. So that's the problem that, that you run into here. I don't think I'm very dogmatic on that. On this, I just don't think that that um, that we when we go down that rabbit trail, if we go down that road, then 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 the Bible doesn't make sense. That's why I. That's why I don't agree with them being good or bad. I don't, I don't agree with it. It's like good cop, bad cop. That's what this is. It's the ultimate good cop, bad cop. Because um, 
what is a good cop, bad cop? Well, that's when you go in to get interrogated by the cops, and the cops, one cop acts like he's your buddy, and the next cop acts like he's the mean guy. Well, when the mean guy walks out of the room, the, the, the cop that's playing good cops, you know, he kind of tries to bond with the guy and try to get information out of him. That's what we have here with the aliens. It is the ultimate cosmic good cop, bad cop. That's what we're dealing with. It's as simple as that. I mean, if you have you ever thought about that way, Doug? That's what it is. It's a big cosmic good cop, bad cop. Oh, the Nordics are good. They're here for our help. We're gonna we're gonna see that soon. And and but these these bad um, other ones, these Greys, they are very malevolent. But the Nordics are benevolent, and they're actually wanting to fight the two. You know, I'm not saying there's no contention between Satan's kingdoms because I believe that Satan's kingdom is um, evil, and there is envy, and there's backbiting, and there's there's, they're vying for power struggle and control. The same thing happens on this earth between evil people. Okay? So I think that same struggle is probably taking place in this demonic realm, in this Nephilim realm. But you've got good cop and bad cop. And that's, that's how they try to deceive people and trick them into thinking, Oh, there's these good aliens and then there's bad ones. And, you know, no, no, I don't buy any of that. The Bible doesn't bear that out one bit. Um... So, and none of these things, I, I can tell you right now, to know if they're good cop, bad cop, if they're really good, why aren't they pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ? Why is it the people that get abducted by these things are always being told, oh, we created you 8 billion years ago, and, and you're a big science project, and we're coming back now because your consciousness has been raised to the point where I think you can handle us now. Not only that, your, your planet is in the throes of being destroyed, and we need to come back to intervene to save you. Now, the only reason this hasn't happened sooner, that the aliens or whatever, these, these demonic Nephilim beings... The only reason this, this hasn't happened, or they haven't taken over, is because the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He's on the throne. Because He has not permitted it. The mystery of, in, of iniquity is working. And He who letteth will let until that time come. Well, it's been held back. God's on the throne. Satan has to go to God to get permission to do stuff like this. He can't just arbitrarily do whatever he wants. If he could, we would all be dead a long time ago. But because God is on the throne... That has not happened in his infinite mercy. So, um, uh, let's see. So, the main motivation of, the, of, the, of our secret government has basically been this technology that they, that they were so lusting after to get from these fallen angelic races. Okay, I mean, let's face it. I mean, like I said, Satan's had thousands and thousands of years to perfect this stuff. So this is one of our main reasons we've gotten bed with them, these 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 entities. Um, so, as we've said, it seems that the desire of the secret government to obtain the occult technology of these particular aliens was one of their main motivations for establishing a working contact with the Saucerian Greys instead of with the more benevolent... Well, I, I, again, I don't agree with that. And we shall soon see the sellout of the fellow humans being beings to obtain this. In other words, what was the price? What what did the aliens say, okay, we'll give you some of our technology, but there's a price. We're going to see what that price is. The forbidden fruit of super technology would apparently allow the recipients to live like gods over the rest of humanity. Well, that would be one of the main motivations if they possess the super technology and they as a few can apply this over humanity, they can rule them as gods. Well, isn't that the first lie of the Garden of Eden? You shall be as gods. Wasn't that the first temptation in the Garden of Eden? 
and it led to the first sin of, of, of the human race. Satan had already sinned, obviously, because they could be his gods. President Truman created the super-secret National Security Act, Security Agency, by secret executive order on November 4, 1952. Its primary purpose was to decipher the alien communications language and establish a dialogue with the extraterrestrials. The most urgent task was a continuation of the earlier effort. The secondary purpose of the NSA was to monitor all communications and emissions from any and all electronic devices worldwide for the purposes of gathering intelligence, both human and alien, and to contact the secret of the alien presence. Now, um, there's two guys that quote a lot here. Beside, there's, there's some things that are added in. One of them is a guy named Branton. Now, Branton was on my email list for, for quite a long time. He is the guy that, that you ever see those, uh, their, um, that thing on the Dulce, the underground bases at the Dulce? Actually, I, I put part of it on this, this thing I gave you. There was a guy, a security guy, that worked in this underground base at Dulce, New Mexico, and he described all the inner workings that went on in one of these underground bases, and it is more horrific than you could possibly believe or imagine. And he's not the only one that's ever described this. You've got aliens, or, or these, these Nephilim-like alien creatures working with the humans in a government, high, high-level military installations, underground. They're always underground. Um, Branton is the guy that actually was able to bring, there was about a 20-chapter book out. Now, the guy that he got the book from, that, that dictated this book, was the security officer that worked there. They killed him about two years after the book came out. Okay, Most of these guys all died. Now, this next guy that they, they note was a guy named Val Valerian. Now, Val Valerian was on my email list, too. I emailed Val Valerian. Because he had said that there was one way that you could possibly... I said, I was wondering, is there any way physically we could find out who these things were? Because I guarantee you right now, they're walking in society around us and we're not seeing them. We're not actually seeing these things as they are. They're in a, they're in a form that looks human, but again, Satan can appear as an angel of light. So I said, is there any way that he made some references that there were some ways that you could actually detect these things. And I emailed this Val Valerian guy and said, hey, you know, this would be great because um, is there any way that, that you could detect it? And he emailed me back this really scalding, condescending email that basically said, basically said, listen, little man, if you ever came face to face with one of these these entities, you you would basically tremble in fear, and you would never ever. You don't even know what you're asking for. And I emailed him right back, and I said, you know something? I believe my God is bigger than any of these stinking things, and I believe in the name of Jesus Christ that I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me, and I have on the full armor of God, and I'm not going to be intimidated by one of these things. And like I had told you before, I had that particular experience that I went through in my, um, in my bedroom, uh, only time in my life that I'd ever actually seen anything of a demonic realm, and only one word out of my mouth, and it was all over, and it was Jesus. <laughs> that was it. That's all it took. So see, I have seen the power of one word. One word. And it's a proven fact, and that CE4 research is the only one that have ever done this research, that these people that get abducted, that actually are Christians, if they will cry out in the name of Jesus during the abduction, the abduction always stops. Every time. Every time. Now, why isn't that on the front page of the papers? You know, I've emailed that site to people that have been abducted and had all these horrible, horrible things happen to them out of compassion. And they don't respond. They just ignore it. 
It's, it's almost as though, well, I would rather be abducted than have to give in to Jesus. What kind of stinking, twisted logic is that? Oh, no, I, I, I can accept anything but that. I can't accept... See, that's where the power is. Jesus Christ. This Val Valerian guy doesn't know. He lives in fear. Branton lives in total fear. I know. I don't live in fear. I'm not going to live in fear about these things. I believe, the Bible says, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places. Hmm. I believe that's what we're dealing with. We're getting into this realm. It's, yes, it's more of a physical realm, too, because we have actually have breeding taking place, which manifests in a physical body, okay? Which is what they had in the days of Noah. It's no different. It may, may be a little different way they're manifesting now. Of course, we don't really know what totally was going on back then, either. They may, have, they may have very well had the same exact thing set up today, where they had, um, you know, the giants might have been the ones that were out in the open and were really the, the front men. Well, this is what we're going to have when we have this, this disclosure and when the Antichrist comes to power. These things aren't going aren't to, I guarantee you, when the Antichrist comes into power and all these false Antichrists are going to be there with all their little buddies, and it's like Hanton who said he's a gray alien, well, he never appears that way. How does he appear? As this big beautiful, whatever, gigantic humanoid form. That's how he appears. They're, they're going to appear like, probably very, they're probably going to appear like the Nordics. They're going to appear like, that would appeal to our flesh. They're going to appear like things that would really appeal to our flesh, probably. Wouldn't that be the smart thing to do? They're not going to appear like, you know, two horns and, and a pointed tail and a pitchfork. Satan never does that. Ever. I mean, not, not until you get to the, the very, very end and it's too late. Maybe he'll manifest like that. Um, these beings, like the, uh, it's well known, the incubus and succubus spirits. That, that The succubus were the ones that, that um, have sexual intercourse with men and the incubus are the ones that have sexual intercourse with women during the night. These beings always appear as these beautiful or very, very handsome either men or women. And many times, though, once they're done having sex with them, they, they morph into these hideous, stinking creatures. That's what's going to happen. So that's, that's how we can dispel that whole, whole myth. Because I guarantee you they're not going to appear as, um, as they really are. Um... So, President Truman created the NSA to, to do all of these things. Well, anyway, Val Valerian emailed me that, and, and I emailed him back, and I was just was very matter-of-fact with him about it. He never, he never responded to me. He never did respond to me about that. I thought it was pitiful. I thought to myself, you're in the wrong game, man. I said, you better get out. I mean, if you're going to live your life in fear, you don't even know where the true power is. I would be scared if I was in his shoes. I really would be. I mean, I'd be like, man, I'm exposing all these aliens and, and, and putting out a lot of truth and, and I mean you should read this Val Valerian's guys it's so far over my head I can't even comprehend it I mean it's like whoa I mean I've never read anything like what he puts out and and yet he lives in total fear you know and he acted like he was such a big man to me you have no idea what you're contending with these aliens would rip you apart would disembowel you in a heartbeat, you know, I mean, just on and on, and, and I'm like, come on, man, this doesn't intimidate me, it just doesn't intimidate me, I, I, I feel as though nobody is, is really in any Christian ministry, and again, now you have these Christian ministries, and they're all fruitcakes, 
They really are. They're all off in left field. None of them are doctrinal. None of them are based. None of them have this foundation. None. Not one. None of them. And so, they many times walk around in fear too. They've got so many holes in their armor that they can't even think straight. I mean, and, and so, you've got really nothing out there that I can see. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there, maybe there are like-minded people like us or whatever that, that could have a comprehension of this. But I don't know of any. I don't know of one. I don't know one ministry. Not one. And that's what's sad. That's what's sad. And that's what's kind of scary because it's like, um, hmm, I mean, how's this truth going to get out, God? I'll do a tour. I would. I'd do a tour. Now, this would really be a bullet-in-the-head tour if I did this tour on this stuff. I'd do it, though. I'd do it in a heartbeat. I'd love to do it. But the thing is, is, is the organization that I went with last time, you know, they're so far off in left field now, they were then, but not as bad as they are now. I can't even, you know, I've been even invited back twice, but I, I don't want to do it. You know, I don't want to be associated with that. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe God will fund it or whatever. What, here's, you know, here's what I really want. My desire is for everybody cowers in fear over, you know, when you bring this stuff up about the aliens and the witches and the warlocks and the ghosts and the devils and all this other stuff. And I keep thinking to myself, but God is on the throne. That's all I can see. All I can see is he's on the throne. All I can see is he's all power, omnipotent, omniscient. All I can see is that he looks at the heathen and laughs and he shall have them in derision. All I can know is that that time that I had that experience, that one word out of my mouth and it was all gone. They were defeated, like that. Now, that's my reality. And I, I think, well, we as Christians need to have that as our reality. And, and, and there's another thing it does. If you really get a comprehension of this stuff, it makes the whole battle and the whole Bible come to life. It really does. I mean, it makes it seem really, really real to me. And it's like, wow, we really are in a battle. And I really want to fight. And I really want to expose this. And I really want, here's what I really want. I really want God's name to be glorified through these events. Not because I think I'm so big and tough or whatever, but I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. And knowing that there's like one out of a billion maybe, I don't know, one out of a million right now that has any kind of totality of this knowledge and would want to do anything with it, God's going to have to use somebody He's going to have to use somebody, and how can he use somebody that's totally ignorant of the facts? I mean, there's a training period, and, and, and I just don't see any ministry out there really training people about this. You're labeled as a nutcase. But I just got to believe that there's going to have to be a demand from God for people that will go forth and not be afraid to fight this stuff. That God can be glorified through. I mean, he did it with Gideon. I mean, Gideon, he pared down and pared down and pared down that army until there was hardly anybody there. God gets more glory when he uses fewer people to get the job done. If he has to use a billion people to get a job done, many times the people as a corporate body will say, well, we, we're going to take credit when it, it really wasn't theirs to begin with. My biggest goal is that God's name be glorified, that great fear fall upon this world as a result of what God's going to do. Not fear because of they're afraid of the aliens. Or because they're afraid of being abducted, or whatever. I want the fear of God. See, this is all the fear of man that I'm talking about here today. It really is. I mean, you could say, well, that's fear of aliens. No, it's really under the guise of the fear of the world, the, the man, the secular system. The fear of God's at the polar opposite end. 
The fear of God needs to displace this fear. And when we see it in the light of Scripture, and we know God is going to win, it can do that. Uh, I just don't see it being done at all. Do you see it being done at all? I, I just don't see there... I mean, and I think this is so important. I just, I know we're going to get blindsided on this. You know, if you take this a little bit further, let's say that these things, when they do start to manifest openly, um, number one, you got to be saved. But number two, got to have the faith to believe that you can actually have spiritual power over these, these things, okay? To me, I would think that would be a tremendous way that God could potentially get glory, is if a Christian who was giving the glory back to God was actually fighting these entities. Now, whatever way God's going to have them fight, I don't know. Whether it's just going to be speaking the word, I don't know. But whatever way that's going to be, I guarantee you, God will get glory, great fear will fall upon men, and many will be saved, because they're going to see where the true power actually is. But the problem I see is there's so few Christians right now which would have any comprehension or clue on how to deal with this. They're going to they're gonna be pastors by the droves, retreating, probably leaving the pulpit. Can you imagine? Official disclosure. These aliens. And, and now this is coming. Okay? I mean, this is coming. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. If we live to see it, it will definitely be in our lifetime. And what are the preachers going to do with this one? They are, the, their congregation is going to turn to them, and they're not going to have a clue how to answer it. They're going to, you know what they're going to probably do? They're going to go along with whatever the government's saying, and whatever these aliens are saying, and try some way to try to harmonize it with Scripture. I don't know how they could do it. I really don't. I mean, you'd have to totally throw out the book of Revelation. Well, isn't that funny? That's what Gail Rippinger said they were going to do. They're going to take out the book of Revelation and put in the Epistle of Barnabas and the Shepherd of Hermes, which are two books that tell you to give up to the beast and to take the mark of the beast and these types of things. Um, you want to take a break? I've been going for two hours. I still got, I got to, I got to keep going though. Okay. Okay, so this is part two. I'm going to start doing these part one and part twos because I know these messages go so long. Um, continuing where we left off, um, plans were formulated to defend the earth in case of an invasion. Now this was in light of the fact that the government knew about all this alien stuff, obviously, that was going on. So they were, they were concerned about defense. Great difficulty was encountered in maintaining international secrecy. It was, no, it was decided that an outside group was necessary to coordinate and control international efforts in order to hide the secret from the normal scrutiny of the governments by the press. See, we had to have a secret government uh, because this was so, they wanted to keep this such a big secret. Now, the result was the formation of the secret ruling body, which became known as the Bilderberger Group. The group was formed and met for the first time in 1952. They named the place, uh, they named them after the place where they publicly met for the first time, which was the Bilderberg Hotel. Um, now, so we've got, so far we've got the NSA, we've got, now these are just the ones I've talked about, the big ones, the NSA, National Security Agency, we've got the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency, and the Bilderbergers, all formed as a result of the alien thing. That's the, now, now, these are some of the most corrupt, ominous New World Order groups that we hear about, and yet it all came about as a result of this whole alien thing. Now, so that's what I'm saying. We, we can tie a lot of stuff into this that's really heavy duty. Beginning in 1953, a new president occupied the White House. He was a man used to structure 
used to a structured staff organization with a chain of command. His method was to delegate authority and rule by committee. He made his decisions, but only when his advisors were unable to come up with a consensus. His normal method was to read through or listen to several alternatives and then approve one. Um, <clears throat> the president was general was the president was general of the army, Dwight David Eisenhower. During his first year in office, 1953, at least 10 more crash disks were recovered, along with 26 dead and four live aliens. Now, why all these disks were crashing? I don't know if, if it was God and His grace was having mercy on us at this point. Um, I don't hear about this happening now, but they were. It seemed like in that five-year time span when we were really starting to get in bed with these aliens, these things were crashing like crazy. Now, I don't know. I, I think that. Um, I think that the Lord is the only one that could orchestrate something like that. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, that, I guess we're only going to know that one when we get on the other side. But um, so he, uh, uh, <clears throat> and he gives all the states where they were found. <clears throat> Eisenhower knew that he had to wrestle and beat the alien problem. He knew that he could not do it by revealing this secret to Congress. Early in 1953, the new president turned to a friend and fellow member of the Council of Foreign Relations, which is another extremely corrupt group, Nelson Rockefeller. Oh, great. Now you're really getting in bed with Satan. Eisenhower and Rockefeller began planning the secret structure of an alien task supervision, which became reality within one year. Eisenhower and Rockefeller began planning the secret structure of the alien task supervision which was to become the reality within one year. The idea for MJ-12 was thus born. MJ-12 is another organization they created to further supervise this whole alien thing. So we've got all these high-level, dark, corrupt organizations being spawned to try to deal with this whole alien thing. So much evil has come from this already. Okay, The Bible says, By their fruit you shall know them. Well, all I see is evil. It was Nelson's uncle, Art Winthrop Aldrich, <clears throat> who had been crucial in convincing Eisenhower to run for president. The whole Rockefeller family, and with them the Rockefeller empire, had solidly backed Dwight D. Eisenhower. Eisenhower belonged heart and soul to the Council of Foreign Relations and the Rockefeller family. Asking Rockefeller for help with the alien problem was, prob was to be the biggest mistake Eisenhower ever made for the future of the United States and maybe for humanity. That's a pretty big statement right there. That's pretty big. I mean, you're asking the devil to help you out with this alien problem. It's just like, the, the Rockefellers are basically like one of the 13 families in the Illuminati that run the world, that basically get their orders directly from Satan. So, you've got one big satanic mishmash. And, you know, it's all vying for power, contending for things. And there, there's no good that can come of any of this. In 1953, <clears throat> astronomers discovered large objects in space which were tracked moving along toward the Earth. It was believed that they were asteroids. Later evidence proved that the objects could only be spaceships. Um, Project Sigma intercepted alien radio communications. When the objects reached the Earth, they took up very high geosynchronous or orbits around the equator. There were several huge ships. Their actual intent was unknown. Project Sigma and a new project, Plato, through the radio communications using computer binary language were able to arrange a landing that resulted in face-to-face -face contact with these alien beings from another planet. Now, this is how the alien beings always portray themselves. We're, we're these aliens. We're from some far-off galaxy or whatever. Um, I'm not saying that fallen angels 
couldn't do that. But I think most of what we're contending here on earth, when the angels fell, where did they fall? They fell to earth. Why, why did they fall? Well, because that they wanted to, come, they wanted to um, procreate with human women was the primary motivation off the get-go. But to corrupt humanity, okay, what, what motivation would, would, would a fallen angelic race have to be on, on a planet far, far away if they could come here and corrupt us? Now, maybe God has kept them in another part of the galaxy. I don't know. I, yeah, it's hard to be dogmatic about 100% of this, but I'm just throwing out possible scenarios here. Um, so, the landing took place in the desert. The movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind is a fictionalized version of this actual event. Project Plato was tasked with establishing diplomatic relations with the race of space aliens, who they referred to them as. I referred to them as demonic Nephilim and fallen angels. A hostage was left with us as a pledge that they would return and formalize a treaty. In the meantime, a race of humanoid, these are the Nordic blondes, the Nordic beautiful blondes, that's Lessie. <laughs> hmm? uh, so we've got <clears throat> okay this so this 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 um, arrangement was made that the aliens this these alien races would would uh, now see if I, I believe again I believe that these are things that are entities that are primarily in the earth. Um, <clears throat> um, I believe they have a lot of underground, subterranean uh, bases. They have now their joint bases with the government. We're going to get into that further. What I believe, though, is that, yes, they do have these ships, and yes, their technology is far advanced than ours, but see, it seems more mystical. It seems more, oh, theatrical. If they come from some far, far galaxy like Zeta Reticuli, and they came here, and they, and they let's say, they now they're returning. There are great space brothers in the sky, and they're returning now to basically check on their little science project that they made millions of years ago. And they're 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 returning here to save us from ourselves. But see, if they've already been here all along, it takes a lot of the whole. It's kind of anticlimactic. See, see, these things are just devils. They're deceivers. I don't believe one thing. I don't. I don't believe any of this that they're from other. Now, maybe they maybe they do have. I don't know. But the thing is, is everything that comes out of their mouth that they say they are, I always question. Because I know they're devils, primarily. Primarily, they're lying devils. Okay, so you always have to keep that in mind when you're dealing with these things. So now, at the same time this, this meeting was arranged between these, this one particular sect of these aliens, a race of humanoid aliens landed at Homestead Air Force Base in Florida. These are the Nordic Blondes. So all of a sudden, we got two, two, two uh, uh, things here where we got one sect of aliens agreeing to meet, meet in the desert in, I think, Arizona, and this other one all of a sudden just lands at Homestead Air Force Base. This group warned us against the race orbiting the equator and offered to help us with our spiritual development. Oh, I'm sure they would drive us all to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I say they're all devils, every one of them. They demanded that we dismantle and destroy our nuclear weapons as the major condition. Oh, yeah, I'd do that. <sighs> they refused to exchange technology, citing that we were spiritually enabled to handle the technology we, we already possessed. These overtures were rejected on the grounds that it would be foolish to disarm in the face of such unclean future. 
There was no track record to read from. It may have been an unfortunate decision. No, it wasn't an unfortunate decision. Again, here we go with good cop, bad cop. Now, I explained this earlier, but I'm, I'm just going to hit upon it again. Good cop, bad cop is where you have a guy that they bring in for questioning. They maybe suspect he's murder suspect. And one cop acts like the real heavy guy, like, oh, I'm gonna do, we're going to do this, and you're going to find the electric chair. And the other guy acts more like his buddy. So what happens is the bad cop walks out of the room, and the good cop's like, well, he's kind of hard on people. You know, I, I apologize for him, you know. He's not a really good... And so, see, what that does is the person in there that's being interrogated lets down his guard, and many times will come forward with information. Either way, they know that one approach is going to get the information out of that person that they want, most likely. This is no different. The aliens are no different than that. What they've done is, now we're going to have some get-together in the desert with this malevolent race, this, this race that, that um, is basically portraying themselves as good guys, but then all these other, we got these blonde-haired, blue-eyed, gorgeous Nordic ones, they show up at Homestead Air Force Base at the same time and say, don't do business with these guys, they're out for your, they're no good. Um, they warned them against us, and then they said, well, listen, if you dismantle all your nuclear weapons, all, all of your ways to protect yourself, we'll, uh, we'll help you with your spiritual development, but you're not even ready to, to handle the technology that you have, and unless you dismantle all of this, we're not going to help you. Well, our government didn't go for that. What did that do? It drove them into the arms of the others. Satan's good at what he does. Now, I guarantee you won't hear this preach from any pulpits, what I just got into. <laughs> <laughs> or what we're getting into today, but um, this happened at the same time, and it's no wonder, because this good cop, bad cop all over. Then a third landing at Maroque, now Edwards Air Force Base, took place in 1954. The base was closed for three days. Now, this is the one I've always, this is the one I've heard a lot about, this landing, okay? So again, this isn't the first time I've ever read this, and all of a sudden I'm coming here like a chicken with my head cut off, bringing this before you, okay? I've read this same information many places, different places. Um, not only does it confirm a lot of what Scripture says is going to happen, but I've also received a lot of other confirming Scripture um, in the past. In the third landing at Maroque, Edward, now Ed Ford's Air Force Base, this took place in 1954. The base was closed for three days, and no one was allowed to enter or leave during that time. The historical event had been planned in advance. Details of a treaty had been agreed upon. Eisenhower, President Eisenhower, arranged to be in Palm Springs on vacation. On the appointed day, the President was spirited to the base. The excuse was given to the press that he was visiting a dentist. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, I've heard this before, the same story. This really did happen. Um, witnesses to the event have stated that three UFOs flew over the base and then landed. The anti-aircraft batteries were undergoing live fire training and... and the startled personnel actually fired at the crafts as they passed overhead. The shells missed and no one was injured. Um, then it says, note, these three crafts were apparently from the orbiting gray craft, meaning they were gray aliens, that the humanoids warned the government about. Now see, the, 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 the Nordics are the good cops. They're always portrayed as the good cops. Oh, those greys, they're bad. You don't want to do business with them. They're bad. And, the, and they are bad. That's true. So it appears as though we're getting good information from these Nordics. It appears these blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Aryan, you know, they look too good to be true. And, and the, the, the grey aliens are just flat-out nasty, evil, malevolent. They're just nasty. So see, it appears as though there's one part of these aliens we can trust. It's all by design. They're good at what they do. 
Um, so, um, this meeting apparently resulted in one of the U.S. the U.S. government's major treaties with the gray aliens. The fact that the startled gunners failed to destroy the alien ships may have been unfortunate, as such an event might have led to the um, treaty being aborted. In other words, if they would have actually destroyed one of these gray aliens through these anti-aircraft guns, the gray aliens probably would have pulled out and said, we're not signing a treaty with you. But see, the thing is, is, is the gray aliens, the, 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 these Nephilim demonic creatures that we got in bed with in our government, they knew exactly what they were doing. And they knew they were the ones that were, were, were um, they knew exactly, see, a lot of times Satan can't force you to do something. I think that's the thing that scripture bears out. Satan doesn't twist your arm to go fornicate with somebody. He doesn't force you to do this or that. You have a free will. And, and, and God was giving even our government a free will to do the right thing at this point. God was not going to permit these demonic entities to come and to force us to do something. We had to voluntarily go in just like Satan has to have that voluntary compliance. Now, if Satan could force us to do something, don't you think he'd be doing it 24-7? We'd all be dead anyway, because he'd kill all of us if he could do that. But see, he's still under the thumb of God. So we always bring it back to that. Like, just like my avion flu presentation. I always bring it back to the scriptures. I always bring it back to God's on the throne. President Eisenhower met with the aliens on February 20th, 1954. Now, I've got a whole DVD that gets into this too. I think you've seen that. In fact, that guy spoke three months before I spoke at the Prophecy Club. Um, a formal treaty between the alien nation and the United States of America was signed. We then received our first alien ambassador from outer space. He was the hostage that had been left on the first landing in the desert. His name was His Omnipotent Highness Krill. Well, shoot, he, sh he could be fit in right at any Masonic meeting. Most worshipful master, you know, whatever. These guys don't have any shortage of ego, evidently. His omnipotent highness, Krill? Oh, nice. Um, in the American tradition of disdain for royal titles, he was secretly called Hostage Krill. Shortly after this meeting, President Eisenhower suffered a heart attack. And then he, and then he puts in quotes, the judgment of God, question mark. Well, I'm sure it probably was. Four other... Four others were present at the meeting, who were Franklin Allen of the Hearst Newspapers. Who? Where have I heard of Hearst Newspapers? Well, they're the ones that got Billy Graham in power. The Hearst Newspapers were the one, they, they got a phone call from that one guy, and he said, pump up Billy Graham, meaning, meaning put him up, and now he's the most popular evangelical uh, Christian figurehead of all time, taking many, many to hell. So he was one of them. Well, I don't think it was front page news, though. Then the next person was Edward Norse of the Brookings Institute. The next one was Gerald Light of the, of the Metaphysical Research fame. And Catholic Bishop McIntyre of Los Angeles. Well, sounds like you got a lot of devils represented there. The reaction was judged as a microcosm of what the public reaction might be. In other words, they wanted to have some people... Like, they wanted to have a Catholic bishop and some guy from a metaphysical institute, some guy from a newspaper, and this guy from the Brookings Institute, and they wanted to see what their reaction was going to be to these aliens, okay? Because they figured if they saw their reaction, maybe they would know how the public would end up reacting, okay? Um, 
based on their reaction, it was decided that the public could not be told. Later studies confirmed the decision is sound. An emotionally revealing letter written by Gerald Light spells out in chilling detail. He said, my friends, I have just returned from Muroc. Now this is where these aliens landed at this base, Edwards Air Force Base. The report is true. Devastatingly true. I have made the journey in the company with Franklin Allen Hurst of the papers, Edwin Norse of the Brookings Institute, and Bishop McIntyre of L.A. We were allowed to enter the restricted section after about six hours in which we were checked on every possible item, event, incident, and aspect of our personal and public lives. In other words, they gave them the once-over before they were allowed to go in and see what was going on. They really... everything. I had the distinct feeling that the world had come to an end with the fantastic realism for I have never seen so many human beings in a state of complete collapse and confusion as they had realized that their own world had indeed ended with such finality as to beggar as to beg the description the reality of other plain aeroforms is now and forever removed from the realms of speculation and made a rather painful part of the consciousness of every responsible scientific and political group. In other words, he had no doubt he had no doubts at that point. None of them had any doubts as the result of alien life forms. They were and they felt as though seeing this advanced technology, they figured their life had ended. If they I mean they were freak I mean it's, it's it's what you would expect for somebody in the world. I wouldn't react that way. I know I wouldn't. But and most Christians would react this way because they would have no answer. They would just throw up their hands and they'd throw out the Bible. Is really what would happen. Um Let's see here. Um, well, the Bible says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. This is part of the shaking that's taking place in the end time. The shaking. And if your foundation is not on the rock of Christ Jesus, well then, you're, you're going to be shaken right off your, your sand foundation and you're going to collapse. See, that's how he's going to test people. That's how he's going to find out really who's his kids and who's not his kids. Um, that's why I think this is so important. One of the reasons. Uh, so... During my two days visit, I saw five separate and distinct types of aircraft being studied in the handle by our Air Force officials. Now, these aircraft are these flying saucer-like discs. With the assistance and permission of the Ethereans, he called them the Ethereans, meaning they came from the ether, the vapor. I have no words to express my reactions. It has finally happened. It is now a matter of history. President Eisenhower, as you may already know, was spirited over to Munich one night during his visit to Palm Springs. It is my conviction that he will ignore the terrific conflict between the various authorities and go directly to the people via radio and television. And if the impasse continues much longer, from what I could gather, an official statement to the country is being prepared for delivery about the middle of May. Well, you know, this was 1954, February 20th. We're a little past May. You know, 50 plus years past that May. It didn't happen. There was no official disclosure. See, official. this would have been official disclosure, which is really what should have been done, but it wasn't, okay? We know that no such announcement was ever made. The Silence Control Group won that day. We also know that two more ships, for we can find no witnesses, either landed sometime after three, after the three, and were already at the base before the three landed. Gerald Light specifically states that five ships were present, and were undergoing study by the Air Force. His metaphysical experience is evident in that he calls the entities Ethereans. Gerald Light capitalized Ethereans, calling attention to the fact that these beings might have been viewed as gods. 
Oh, well, isn't isn't that what Satan said to Eve in the Garden of Eden? He said, if, you know, God knows that the day that you eat of the fruit, uh, the, the tree, the fruit of the tree of the garden of the knowledge of good and evil, that ye shall be as gods. Capital G. Gods. Plural. Not G, but gods. Well, that's what these beings are coming as. And isn't that the temptation that Satan threw before Eve and she took it? Well, isn't that going to be the temptation that all these devils are going to be presenting to us? We're going to take you to a higher plane of existence. You're going to be as gods. You're going to be as us someday, but you have to come and do it on our terms. You're going to be like the ascended master some days, but you have to start where you're at, and we have to help you with this process. This is going to be the lie that's fed us. This is the lie of the new age. Really, is what we're dealing with. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> the alien emblem was known as the trilateral insignia. Now, this was displayed on their craft and worn as an alien on, on their uniforms. They had this little insignia called the trilateral insignia. Both of the landings in the second meeting were filmed. These films exist today. I mean, the, the, the landings were filmed. Okay, of these things. Um, the treaty, this now this treaty that we signed, Eisenhower signed, the treaty stated that the aliens would not interfere in our affairs, and we would not interfere in theirs. We would keep their presence on Earth a secret. They would furnish us with advanced technology and would help in our technological development. So that's what we were getting in exchange for us keeping silent. And there's one other thing. They would not make any treaty with any other Earth nation. They could abduct humans on a limited and a periodic basis for the purpose of medical examination and monitoring of our development with the stipulation that the humans would not be harmed, would be returned to their point of abduction, and would have no memory of the event, and that the alien nation would furnish Majesty 12, which was the group that our government had created, Majesty 12, with a list of all the human contacts and abductees on a regularly scheduled basis. Well, isn't it a coincidence that that's the, the, the very time that all these alien abductions started, right around 1952? They weren't happening before that. I'm not saying nobody had ever saw a UFO, but I'm talking about full-blown alien abductions. Remember what I said before about Satan having to get permission? Why? Why would he have Because God's on the throne. Originally... Now, granted, I know we have a lot of Masonic beginnings in this nation, but we still this nation is still done in the, more in the form of to propagate the gospel than any other nation on the face ever. Okay, I don't think there's any debate on that with missions and all the other things we've done. Now, I think that this because we had that foundation, um, Satan wanted to try to corrupt this nation more than any other. I think he had more of an agenda. I think he had more reason. I think he had more motivation. I mean, if, if Satan, you, you, you go to Africa and you've got a nation that's totally ungodly and you got, you know, 0.5% being Christian, he's already got them. Whereas this nation was the thorn in his side. And I think that's why he's worked so hard on us. But these, na these aliens promised that, that they would just abduct some humans on a limited periodic basis. This was part of the treaty. And they would give full disclosure of all the people they had done, and they would make sure they erased all their memories, and they were just going to do some little experiments, and they wouldn't harm anybody. Oh, yeah, like you can trust a devil. I mean, you, you read some of these accounts of these abductions. They're, they're, they're horrific. They're, I mean, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, what these people have to go through in these abductions. I mean, it is so horrific. It's unbelievable. 
It was agreed that each nation would receive the ambassador on the other for as long as the treaty remained in force. It was further agreed that the alien nation in the United States would exchange 16 personnel with the purpose of learning from each other. The alien guests would remain on Earth. The, the human guests would travel to a to a alien point of origin for a specific, specified time period. It was agreed that the bases would be constructed underground for the use of the alien nation, and that the two bases would be constructed for joint use of alien nation and the United States government. Remember that, that article that I talked about earlier on this underground base that's well known about in Dulce. Well, that base is where the aliens and the humans work together on, in a military facility. You've heard of Area 51. It's also called Groom Lake or Dreamland. Well, that's another alien joint alien venture uh, thing where most of it's underground. And I'm talking way, 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 way underground. Okay? It goes many, many levels. Um, see, again, Satan wants to always operate in secrecy. And there's no better place than underground. Okay? So, um, we agreed that we would construct these things. Now, do you realize that these bases are all connected to one another? Underground? There's huge, gigantic tunnels underground in this nation um, that crisscross America everywhere. Well, I never heard of that. Well, you're not going to. I actually have a picture of one of these tunnel-boring machines, and it's actually nuclear-powered, and, and it has a picture of these two machines. It says Air Force, U.S. Air Force right on the side of it, and it's a machine that actually melts the rock through nuclear power. It actually melts it. It goes, I believe, five miles per hour, and it can melt. And they have they have crisscrossed these tunnels all over this country to these underground bases. And this is one of the main ways they get around discreetly. They're not always flying around in UFOs and these types of things. Um, our high-level military officials get around in them. Um, all these people in these dark projects, and a lot of times the aliens themselves actually get around. These things actually go, I believe, about a thousand miles per hour underground. They use what they call a cantilever system which um, is like through magnetics, they, they get real, they're, they're very, 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 very fast. Um, the walls of these tunnels are like black glass, because when these nuclear devices melt the, the rock, it just, it's like it glazes it. I mean, it's just, and the actual, I've actually seen the patent for the tunnel, there's a patent in the U.S. patents right now for this machine. Um, in fact, I've sent it out to my whole email list with the pictures of it. I don't have it today. But, so anyway, um, that's how all these underground bases are, are connected. Exchange of technology would take place in jointly occupied bases. These alien bases would be constructed under the Indian reservations in the Four Corners area of Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona. Now, the reason they call it the Four Corners area is the only place in the United States where four states come together like this. Four Corners. There's one state here, one state here, and they come together like Four Corners. Well, this area is called the Four Corners area. It's also where Route 666 goes through. Route 666, a little trivia, but it's true. Um, these alien bases would be constructed, okay, so, uh, and then one of them was also constructed in Dreamland, which is Area 51. Note, many sources allege that the reason the aliens insist on the underground bases beneath these particular areas was that they, in fact, are not exclusively... Uh, was that they, in fact, the aliens, are not exclusively from other planetary bodies. In other words, they're not from other planets, but that they originally are from Earth and have for centuries occupied deep caverns beneath the Earth, and more recently, beneath these areas in the Southwest. The bases then, which most of the government would believe are exclusively 
human construction for their own joint operations would actually be covers or fronts for the actual subterranean systems already largely under the control of the Saucerian race of, of these aliens. In other words, these things have already been underground for probably thousands of years, okay? And these bases, what they do is, yes, we built down, but we built down over existing areas where the aliens already occupied. What it did is it provided a cover and it provided a way, it made it very, very convenient for the aliens because they were already underground anyway. So, and I'll go further with this. This would explain why many human workers in the joint bases have been kept highly compartmentalized. Now, that's another common characteristic you see here. What that means is, is if you work at one of these underground bases, you are typically only working in one very, very small area and you have no idea what's going on in the other parts of the bases. They want to keep everything compartmentalized so you have as little knowledge, you only have enough knowledge to operate in the, in the part that you're in. You, they're not going to tell you what's going on two levels down. They don't want you to know. Um, it's, it's called... Um, forget, there, there, there's a specific word for it also, a specific phrase they use, but um, a need-to-know basis. It's all, it's all need-to-know basis, that's it. Whatever you need to know is the only thing you're going to know. That's, that's it. Very secretive. Um, so, and this is why many do not realize what's taking place in the lower levels, or even that such lower levels exist when other deeper level workers allege that they do. In other words, a lot of these people that work in a certain level don't even realize there's anything below them. Now, this guy that, that actually worked at one of these bases that, that wrote this big paper, now he's dead, um, he actually said that when you went in there every day, they would issue you a brand new card, and that you would go in there, you would have to strip naked, totally naked, they would weigh you to, like, whatever, and then you could put your clothes back on, that makes, and they would x-ray you and weigh you, making sure you're not smuggling nothing into this place. And then when you came out, you had to do the same thing. You had to stri that way you couldn't take out nothing. You couldn't take out any alien technology. You could take out nothing. And when you used that card at the end of the day, it sucked it in the machine, and you had no proof you'd even been there. They're good at what they do. And they would actually weigh you again. And if you were off by like so many ounces or whatever, they would actually really, you know, I don't know if they would what they would do. They would even do further things to make sure that this extra weight or or whatever. Um, could be compensated for. That's how that's how high security we're dealing with here. Um, uh, why security increases enormously. Now, this is why the security increases enormously the deeper one descends into these underground bases and why the human influence decreases and the uh, reptilian, nephilim influence increases the deeper one goes into these bases. See, the deeper you go, the more these, these alien, these Nephilim entities take over. But the higher ones, usually the humans occupy, and then, like, in the mid, in the mid range is what happens is you have aliens and humans, these Nephilim and these humans working together in a, maybe a laboratory setting. But the deeper levels, they don't have anything to do with it. Dreamland was built in the Mojave... Uh, desert. Now, Dreamland is Area 51. Um, Dreamland was built in the Mojave Desert near or in a place called Yucca. I cannot remember if it was Yucca Valley or Yucca Flat, but the Yucca Proving Ground. But Yucca Valley is what I always seem to want to say. More UFO sightings and incidents occur in the Mojave Desert of California than any other place in the world. Oh, now, hold on. That can't be, that can't be Area 51, because Area 51 is not in California. So many 
In fact, that no one even bothers to make reports. Anyone who ventures into the desert to talk of the residents will be astounded by the frequency of activity and the degree of acceptance of demonstrated by those who have come to regard UFOs as just normal. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you see them all the time, and after a while it just becomes, oh, well, there they are again, you know. As all alien areas are under complete control of the Naval Department, although some may argue that they are only in control of the uppermost levels of these bases. According to the documents I read, all personnel who work in these complexes receive their checks from the Navy through a subcontractor. The checks never make reference to the government or the Navy. Construction of the bases began almost immediately, but progress was slow. Large amounts of money were made available in 1957. Um, I mean, these places are unbelievably secret. Like for, for uh, Area 51, for instance. Now, this is well known. I just saw, I've seen several documentaries on this. That if you work at Area 51, the way you get to work typically is you get on a, um, an airline that flies out of a very small airfield in Las Vegas every day. I mean, the, the documentaries I've seen take you right there to the airport. They show the plane. plane flies out. I think they've got several planes going back and forth. And they go about 150 or 100 miles due north from Las Vegas, and you're you're in Area 51 at that point. They drop you off there. You go. You do what you and and um, then you come back via the plane the same way. That's how you get to and back from work. Most people. Then there are some that come in by bus. Um, Area 51. You know, people have been trying to get in there and do this or that. They've got such high security there. They've got cameras everywhere. They've got pressure sensors. They've got magnetic sensors. They've got people patrolling that thing. They have got about a 50 mile perimeter around the whole base. It's unbelievable. They don't want they don't want people to know what's going on in there. And I mean, if you step one foot over over this one line, they could put you in prison. It's nasty. You try to fly over the airspace, they'll shoot you out of the sky. Now, this is well-known stuff, I'm telling you here. They were, in fact, they went to the, the local restaurant. It was called The Little Ailey Inn. I'm like, Taylor, we could go there sometime, maybe on a field trip. We'll go to Little Ailey Inn and get one of their alien burgers. Sorry. Anyway, um, yeah, it was The Little Ailey Inn. And, and that's the place, that's like the watering hole everybody goes to because it's the only restaurant in town. The population's only like 300 of this little town, uh, kind of outside of Area 51. And they have all the, you know, you can get your t-shirts and your mugs and your, and your alien, various and sundry alien paraphernalia. And it, you know, it's got all the junk in there. But they say that they basically get people coming in there every day with another story about what's going on there. So... Uh, this is something that's getting, in fact, of, of all the places in, in the United States, this is the place where you see most of the, the attention being focused is Area 51. Okay. Um, so, then we have Project Red Light was formed and experiments in the test flying craft were begun in earnest. A super top secret factory was built at Groom Lake in Nevada. In the midst of the weapons test range, it was codenamed Area 51. The installation was placed under the Department of Navy and all personnel required a, what they call a Q clearance as well as executive presidential majestic approval. In other words, you had to have the highest clearance you could possibly have to even get into this place. That's how secret it was. Um, this was ironic due to the fact that the President of the United States does even not have clearance to this site. Even our President doesn't can't get in here. Uh, the alien base and... Ex the alien base and exchange of technology actually took place in an area codenamed Dreamland above the ground. And the underground portion was dubbed the Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, yeah it was. According to the documentation I read, at least 600 alien beings actually reside full-time at this site alone. 
with an unknown number of scientists and CIA personnel. Due to the fear of implantation, only certain people were allowed to interface with the alien beings. Now, what does that mean? Well, there's 600 beings underground at this one base in Area 51 alone, okay, that he knew about at the time of this writing. Who knows how many there are now? He said that because they were afraid that they knew that if they had a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, especially alone contact with the aliens, chances are these little devils were going to try to do something to either implant that person or corrupt them or do something where they could... Uh, it would almost be like taking... It would be like being demon-possessed in a way, but I don't know how they would do it. But that, And they were afraid of what they call implantation. So as a result, um, there were only... a very few people who are allowed to actually interact with these alien beings, and those personnel were and are watched very closely for their behavior patterns, because they know that these aliens, you can't trust them, yet we're sitting here in bed with them. Oh, that makes sense to me. Is this lighthearted enough for you so far? <laughs> okay. Um, a multi-million dollar secret fund was organized and kept by the military office of the United of the White House. This fund was used to build over 75 underground facilities. 75. Our tax dollars at work. Presidents who asked were told the fund was used to build deep underground shelters for the president in case of war. See, this was their reason, rationale. Only a few were built for president. Uh, for the president, millions of dollars were funneled through the office of Majesty 12 and then out to the sub, these contractors. It was used to build top-secret alien bases as well as top-secret dumb bases, which dumb stands for deep underground military bases. Well, I think it's pretty dumb for us to get in a league with these devils. So I guess dumb is pretty appropriate. The location and everything to do with these sites were and are considered to be treated as top secret. The money was and is in control of the military office of the White House. And it was and is laundered through through so circuitously a web that even the most knowledgeable spy or accountant cannot follow it. Now, let's look at that again. The location, everything to do with these sites were and are considered to be top secret. The money that built all of this is controlled by the military through the White House and was and is laundered through this 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 gigantic web that's so complicated and so multi-layered that there's no way anybody could ever figure it out. They've got to have it that way. Okay? The money was authorized by the Appropriations Committee who allotted it to the defense to the defense as a top secret item in an army construction program. The army, however, could not spend it and did not even know what it was for. Authorization to spend the money was then given to the Navy. See, it's like, okay, if we if we if we put the money in enough places, nobody's ever going to be able to track all this. It's called throwing them off the trail. You just can't track it. However, um, Authorization to spend the money was then given to the Navy. The money was channeled to the Chesapeake Division of the Navy engineers, who did not know what it was for either. Not even the commanding officer, who was an admiral, knew what the fund was for. And remember, this is all very compartmentalized. They've only got one or two people that know about one or two things, and then they'll be in the loop for this one thing, and then they're out of the loop, and they don't know what happens to it after that. So that's the way Satan does things. He keeps everybody in darkness. Um... Not, not even the commanding officer who was an admiral knew what the fund was used for. One, only one man, a Navy commander who was assigned to the Chesapeake Division, but in reality was responsible only to the military office of the White House, knew what the actual purpose of this money was for. 
and what it was to be used for. The total secrecy surrounding this fund meant that almost every trace of it could be made to disappear by the very people who controlled it. That's what they always do. There has never been, and most likely never will be, an audit of any of this secret money. And I'm telling you, this is where a gigantic chunk of our tax dollars go. I mean, I'm talking, we're, there's more money put, you know how much money it costs to do these underground bases? You can't even conceive the mind-boggling. The one, the one at Dulce, they said it's the size of Manhattan, the city of Manhattan underground. You know how much money that would cost to do something underground of that magnitude and then to connect it with all these and then to have the super secret high-tech security systems they have and all this technology? I mean, we can't even conceive of this. And I'm saying that, that this is another thing I think is pretty important. The majority of the money that goes to running this country actually goes into this, into these secret pro I think that's pretty important too. I mean, that's pretty important stuff. Um... It is significant that President Eisenhower, as well as the first six Majesty 12 members from the government, were also members of the Council of Foreign Relations. Oh, one of the other evil organizations that's been formed. This gave control of the most secret and powerful group in the government to a special interest club that was in itself controlled by the 13 families of the Illuminati. See how it's all connected? Um, the name of the Trilateral Commission, which is another totally corrupt commission, uh, organization that was created as a result of this alien thing. You know wh why they got their name, the Trilateral Commission? Because it was taken from the alien flag known as the Trilateral Insignia. I did not know that. Because that's what the alien flag is. And you and I see a lot about this alien flag. It always has the serpent and it's in a triangle. And they say that people that say they actually see these on the aliens' uniforms says that it glows, I think an orange glow, they said that's not of this world. They said the color that emanates from this insignia they wear, they said they can't even describe it. They said it's not of this world. I mean, it's, you know, they got advanced, advanced, advanced technology. How are we doing on time? Four? Okay. Yeah. By, by 1955, it became obvious that the aliens had deceived Eisenhower and had broken the treaty. Mutilated humans were... Yeah. So... You know, Eisenhower believed that, that he had been, whatever, they deceived. Mutilated humans were being found along with mutilated animals across the United States. It was suspected that the aliens were not submitting, to, submitting a complete list of human contacts and the abductees to Majesty 12. Remember, remember the treaty? Oh, we got to submit everybody we're abducting. we got to give you a list, and we got to give you full disclosure. Now they're finding people that are mutilated, animals that are mutilated. Well, it said that they wouldn't harm us. Oh, well, I'm sure you can believe the devil. Um, that's what you get for believing the devil. Uh, the Soviet Union was suspected of also interacting with them, and this actually proved to be true as well. In other words, the aliens also said, we're going to make no treaties other than with you. Well, so far, from what I can read, every single thing they said in this treaty, they lied about. Well, that's what you expect of the devil. You expect him to do this. You're so stupid. If you believed anything you said in the beginning. The aliens stated that they had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. The aliens were? The aliens stated they had been and were, and then were manipulating masses of people through secret societies, oh, like the Masons, like the Trilateral Commission, like the Bilderbergers, secret societies, hmm, and witchcraft. Well, the Bible says that in Daniel that he would cause craft to increase, and that, that witchcraft is going to be the one world religion in the New World Order. 
and magic, which is the same thing, and the occult, which is the same thing, and religion. Well, sure, he's definitely doing it through religion, through just as much through the so-called pseudo-apostate Christian church as he is using the Catholic church, because I won't even put them with the apostate Christians, because they're not Christians, they're devils. And then the, um, the Hindus and the Buddhists and the Jehovah Witnesses and the Mormons and the Confucius and all the others, yeah, They've got all their, they've infiltrated all those religions. That's why about what we're doing here today is about the only safe thing you can do. Now, Doug, if I find out you're an alien, I'm going to be mad. So anyway, <laughs> you, you must understand that this claim could also be a manipulation. After several Air Force combat air engagements with alien craft, it became apparent that none of our weapons were any match for them. <laughs> so then we go further. Uh, the existence of aliens could not be explained in terms of traditional... Now, this is what they were saying. Um, that The reason they didn't have official disclosures is because they, really, they believed that it would lead to an economic, religious, political, national collapse and panic that could lead to anarchy in the company, country. And anarchy would be like just total chaos in the country. Well, that was the excuse they give. Now, they believe the existence of these aliens could not be explained in terms of traditional Christian religion. And this is one of the big reasons why I keep hearing that they won't disclose this, because they believe the Christians in particular would just fall apart at the seams. Which is probably right. Probably right. I mean, people that were really sincerely following... I mean, the lukewarm apostate Christians, I don't know if they would... Ah, I think everybody would care, because this is, pretty, this is going to affect everybody. But... There's just no 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 preaching that's going to explain this that's being done. I mean, it's easily explained. I think we've done we're doing that today, but they can't explain it because uh, they don't know the Bible. Which conclusion? Uh, now, this uh, that the existence of these aliens could not be explained in terms of the traditional Christian religion. Which conclusion might have been reached by many, especially in the face of the, these gray aliens' persistent attempts to hide their true reptilian nature as it relates to ancient biblical history and prophecy. Hmm. Would, would that have anything to do with these these greys and these reptiles and all these other things being reptiles and dragons and things of this nature and how the Bible always refers to these things? The serpent and the dragon always in a very negative demonic context lines up with the Bible. However, based on what I've already covered in these files, now this is, this is um, uh, William Cooper talking. He says, however... Based on what I've already covered in these files, it is evident that such an alien activity does in reality conform to Christian theology and was in fact prophesied in Judeo-Christian scripture thousands of years ago. That's my whole point. I said all that to say that. Now, granted, he doesn't get into book and chapter verse. I do. Because it's, I mean, you can't just say a statement like this and say, it does do that. Okay, show me. Well, I could take you to the Bible and show you. The ignorance would, would merely be an inability to properly interpret these ancient prophecies due to lack of a foundational knowledge such as to make correct interpretations. Therefore, such knowledge, if presented properly, would probably not bring about a collapse in the religious world. The religious world. Also, the realization of the existence of an almighty creator God infinitely more powerful than the aliens would, would likely prevent the panic and resulting economic collapse anarchy, which the study group feared. So, in other words, if they did this the right way, and they actually presented this in the right way, okay, like, which is what I did today. This is how, what I try to do is prevent it, present it in a way that scripture bears out, 
And, okay, let's look at the big picture. This doesn't... I mean, what I've read to you, when, when, when you interpret it this way, you shouldn't sit there tremble in fear. Because God is still on the throne. But there's no way that's going to happen. They're not going to present it that way. That would only be possible unless Jesus was already ruling and reigning on this planet. That's it. And we're not in the millennium yet. We're not to the point where Jesus is going to rule the rod of iron. It's not here yet. So, we know this scenario is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And they're not going to present it in the right way. So, generally, what we are going to see is probably a pretty gigantic panic of the uh, apathetic, pseudo-lukewarm Christians when this does happen. Now, some of them are going to be so indoctrinated into the New Age that I think they're going to embrace it. They're not, they're, they've already thrown their, their Bible out with the bathwater anyway. They're already um, of their father the devil. They've already fallen away. They've already given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They've already bought into the whole New Age lie. Um, so I think a lot of them are going to go hook, line, and sinker, and they're not, they're not going to miss a beat. Some are not, but, some, but they're going to have to make a decision at that point. Are they going to embrace this? Most of them will. Because I think God's going to basically... Uh, the Bible says that he will send the strong delusion, that they will believe a lie. This is part of the... This is, this is going to be the main strong delusion right here. I mean, that's how important this is. Don't you think if it says in the Bible, in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3, and then on down, and it says that God will send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie. Why? That they might all be damned who believe not the truth? Whoa, that's like, that's the most serious ramifications that you could possibly, possibly get into. It's, it almost acts as though that, that God sent the strong delusion, that they would believe the lie, that they would all be damned. Why? Who did not believe the truth? Well, maybe this is kind of important. Maybe the biggest deception that's going to be shoved down our throat, and this is, I believe this is the biggest deception that's going to be shoved down our throat. This is part of the strong delusion. And dare I say, it's not the main part of the strong delusion. And it says that they will believe this lie. They're going to believe it. They're going to believe that these, these, these freak things, when they get to the earth, and this official disclosure is made, and the Antichrist comes to power, they're going to believe a lie. And when they believe that lie, they're not believing the truth, and they're going to be damned. That's pretty serious. But yet, pulpits are silent about this. I think we've... From that standpoint alone, how important is this? This is super important stuff. Another major finding was that the aliens were using human and animal for a source of glandular secretions, enzymes, hormonal secretions, blood plasma, and possibly in genetic experiments. Now, from the research I've seen, you know what? We're what's for dinner. They stinking eat us. Well, the Enoch makes mention of the very same thing, that they that really, especially after their true colors were shown, when the Nephilim came and were prom uh, were in the earth and when they became a ruling power, then their true colors start to show. That's how the devil always is. He's not gonna always come to you he's gonna always come to you as a wolf in sheep's clothing. They're gonna start out laughing like they're probably nice guys, oh we're here we're here to be your friends. But you let them go far enough and their and their teeth are gonna start to show and their true nature is gonna start to show. And from all the research I have seen, the aliens, these gray aliens, these reptilian whatever what do they what do they eat? What do they live off? Humans. Humans. There's been a whole mini-series, it was called V, that was based on the same thing. And I said, Hollywood always telegraphs their punches. Hollywood always telegraphs, and, and I know, granted, you can't take everything literally that you see 
on a, on a Hollywood show. But there was a whole miniseries during the 80s called V, which basically was this exact same scenario. These aliens were coming. They looked exactly like humans. They were these beautiful humans, but they were actually reptilian underneath. And what were we? Why did they come here? We were what's for dinner. Now, granted, oh, he's really went off the deep end now. He's really nuts. And, well, I'm telling you, <laughs> this backs up every bit of the research I've ever seen. And why in the world are all these people turning up mutilated? Why is it when people go into these ships, all of a sudden they, it's almost as though they've got, um, it's like they're trying to make uh, these humans, they're actually cloning them and making them. A lot of this, from what I can gather, is because we're what's for dinner. The aliens explain that these actions about all the stuff that they found, remember how I said they found body parts in their ships, human body parts? The aliens explain these actions are necessary to their survival. Now, this is another thing that happens many times. Cattle mutilations and human mutilations, where what will happen is, is they'll find a, a cow on the side of the road, and he's had every bit of blood pulled out of his body. Always the blood is always drained. Now, the Bible says this is the one thing you don't eat. And then all of the vital organs, um, they, they take the blood, they take the feces, they take... All the things that are nasty. Well, if you're a devil, what do you, what do you think you're going to thrive on? You're going to thrive on the nasty of the nastiest. Okay? Blood, feces, urine, all of the sexual parts of the animal, the eyeballs, everything that's profane in God's eyes, probably to eat, that's what they take. Well, you know, if you were the devil, that's probably what would happen. So, and the same thing happens with humans. When they find them, well, from what I've seen, also, in order for them to maintain, especially the, the aliens that are walking among us. Okay, now this is going to get a little wacky. But from what I've seen, remember how I said that the Bible says that, that, that um, if Satan can be transformed into an angel of light, it's no marvel if his ministers can be, and that these things are actually walking among us right now. I believe this is the case. But yet we're not able, actually able to identify them properly. The reason they can actually hold this form and appear as humans is because they drink copious amounts of human blood. That's what they subsist off. And other human secretions. Why would they do that? Because that's how they maintain their form. It's, it's a well-known well -known fact that the higher you get in witchcraft, the more blood that is required for you to ingest. Um, it, is, it is one of the major, major, major prohibitions in Scripture to not to eat blood. Well, of course, again, Satan's always seeking ways he can defile, and he knows that if you're drinking a lot of blood, or consuming a lot of blood, that you're going to be defiled. And this is how, see, blood has human DNA, okay? DNA is the building block and the template for the human body. What happens is, is when these, these um, Nephilim-like creatures ingest human blood, they can actually take on this angel of light appearance. This is what I believe to be true. Now, again, I can't be totally dogmatic, but I do believe from the research I've seen, this is why... One of the reasons they're required to drink blood, because by drinking the blood, it allows them, the DNA in the human blood allows them to actually take on a human form and maintain that form. They're, they're appearing as an angel of light. Okay? But if they don't drink enough, what happens is they start, to, they start to go back. So they have to keep doing it. And that's one of the reasons why they have these breeding programs and these cloning programs and things of that nature. So, the aliens admitted, they explained that the reason they had all these things, this blood plasma and all these body parts, uh, because it was necessary for their survival. Now, they're admitting this. They have to live off this. This is, we're, we're, we are what's for dinner. They stated that their genetic structure had deteriorated and that they were no longer able to reproduce. They stated they were unable to improve their genetic structure 
if they were unable to improve their genetic structure, their race would soon cease to exist. We looked upon their explanations with much suspicion. Note, according to sources, which we will quote later on, the actual purposes of these mutilations are far different than that of the alien creatures alleged them to be. Some groups connected with Majesty 12, however, seem to have fallen for this propaganda. Again, everything they're saying is lies. So everything they say, just assume it's the opposite. Okay? Um, that, in other words, the, and also this lie that they said they were incapable of reproducing. I don't believe that either. In, in spite of these allegations that they cannot reproduce, certain witnesses have alleged that the, that the greys, these grey... Nephilim aliens are actually reproducing profusely within these deep underground bases. I've heard of stories where they've got these gigantic vats basically filled with humans and suspended in these, these big liquid tanks. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, it's like a big gigantic science experiment. They're creating humans. They're creating some humans that are, that are half uh, these Nephilim, which what the Bible says was going to happen. It says this was going to happen as it was in the days of Noah. Well, they're creating these big, gigantic underground things where they're actually using these as breeding breeding chambers and programs. Some of it's for food. What's that? Oh, is it time to go? Is it 4.30? Oh, well, we've got an hour and 45 minutes. We're going to be way early if we get there. Do you want to go? Oh. Um, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. There's just no way that I'm going to get through the rest here. I've got... I've got almost 14 more pages to go, and I'm only halfway through this thing. So, um, let's go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this night. Um, Lord God, for this day, for this time that you let us come together. I do pray, God, that your truth would go forth in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's all that matters, God, is truth. I pray, God, that anything that I said that's not truth, God, would be shown to even me. Lord God, I don't want to be putting forth anything that's not of you, that doesn't line up with your word. But I believe it's so obvious, God, what you're trying to show us here, it's so obvious. The scripture bears it out. And what you predicted is coming to pass right before our eyes. And I just pray to God you wake up the body of Christ. And that great fear would fall upon this world, Lord. And that your power would be manifest. And that, God, the devil would not get glory. And that the fear of God would be upon this world. And upon the sin-sick nation. And upon the body of Christ. And that many would be saved and that your name be glorified. I do pray, God, that you would forgive us for any and all sins that we have committed in any way, shape, and form, Lord God. And that we would also forgive those, Lord God, in heaven that have sinned against us. That you would save our unsaved family members, Lord God, for it your will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance, Lord God. That you would be with us this night, God, and grant us travel mercies and bless the preaching this night that we're going to go see. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.